listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back, everybody, to the Oz Network as we come to you for our final episode of Anniversary Month, everybody's favourite month of the year that isn't Renee Russo Month. It's that month where we go over a variety of movies celebrating their anniversaries, hence why it's called Anniversary Month. We've done the funny one, we've done the chick flick, we did the Arnold Schwarzenegger one, so now let's do the one that we all wanted to do the most because we love this movie. It's The Replacements, the movie made in the year 2000, the movie featuring everybody's favourite person in the world, Keanu Reeves. There is literally nobody on planet Earth who dislikes Keanu Reeves, and if you are that person, fuck off. Don't listen to our podcast. We don't want you here. Go away. Seriously. Tune in to something else. You are not right in the head. Keanu Reeves is an international treasure. So go away. Right, now that we lost that person, we're here to talk about The Replacements, <laughs> a 2000 sports comedy film, according to Wikipedia. Keanu Reeves, Gene Hackman, John Favreau, uh, Reese Iphens, and everybody's favourite actress, Brooke Langdon. <laughs> I'll just let that sit for a while because people are quickly Googling her as we speak because she is... Brooke Langdon. Uh, I'm excited to talk about this episode and close off anniversary month. My name is Ben Waterworth and yeah, yeah, today was a good day for Ben Waterworth. Ben Waterworth, can't wait till tomorrow. You know, we're really just beginning to scratch the surface of the talents of Ben Waterworth. Ben Waterworth has moves even Ben Waterworth ain't seen yet. And my name is Colin and at first I was afraid. <laughs> I was petrified thinking I could never live without you by my side. And I spent so many nights thinking how you did me wrong, and I grew strong. And I learned, and now you're back from outer space. Come from on! From outer space! You know, it's funny. Cheers, babe. My, my <laughs> oh, look, mud cake. Um, my dad, every single time we talk about this movie or if we say like, oh, what should we watch? My dad will literally go, Ben, at first I was afraid. I was petrified. <laughs> like, I know immediately what he wants to watch. It's the replacements, this movie. Um, can I just say from the get go, I love this movie. This movie is fantastic. But this movie is such a simple movie with so many plot holes in it. <laughs> like, I feel oh, like yeah. this is going to be like the day after tomorrow that we, we, we absolutely <laughs> love this movie. This is a clear buy and this will probably come out as our favourite movie from Anniversary Month, hands down. But I don't know if it's just now that we have this critical mindset that we're taking notes, but my lord, there's a lot of problems with this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's fair, some of the criticisms it gets. And you calling it simple is the generous way of saying that it literally plays out every single sports movie cliche that we have seen a million times over. The difference is it's Keanu Reeves and it's Orlando Jones and it's Jon Favreau and it's Reese Siphons and it's Gene Hackman and it's the guys with the guns, (laughs) the the, the prisoner and, and and and. the deaf kid, it's 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 all the fun people that you don't usually get in these sports comedies. Because I, I think what really sets this movie apart is the cast. I mean, I should say that Major League is obviously the ultimate movie like this. But, uh, you know, next to Major League, I'd put this right up there. I mean, I, I've loved this movie. And this is one of those that was just on the cusp of my top 50 favorite movies. So pretty much no question. I'm buying this movie. But 
yeah, I mean, there's plot holes that I picked up on I've never picked up on before. And I think I acknowledged even in 2000 when I first saw this movie, I'm like, yeah, there's a couple of things that don't really make sense there. But it's just so much fun. And like Orlando Jones, can we just make him like our Sam Rockwell honorary oh, Oscar nominee for please. a comedy? Like he he is so good in this movie. Like it blows my mind how he didn't become a bigger star. And we'll get into a little bit because I have a few theories, but Man, he just steals this. I forget Keanu Reeves in this movie, and Keanu Reeves is like a childhood hero of mine. I I am still baffled. We talked about this last week. How is Orlando Jones not a thing? Like, how? How is he, 20 years later, not a thing? Because he is incredible. And we've mentioned before one of my favourite movies as well, uh, Evolution, which he's in. And him, David Duchovny, Sean William Scott. I mean, my Lord, that's a great trio right there. Um that's a great movie. Julianne Moore. Julianne Moore. Um, Dan Aykroyd's in that movie. Um, Gregory Itzen. Uh, what's his name from uh, 24's in that movie? Um, oh, it's, it's, it's 20 years next year, isn't it, of evolution? Can we just put that as a lock <laughs> next year? It's next year of 2002. I think it came out in 2001, didn't it? Anyway, um, coming soon, evolution. We'll work out an excuse to do it. But, yeah, like, he's just amazing. But you're right. You kind of do forget the Keanu Reeves in this movie, but which... It's yeah. weird because we love this movie because it's Keanu Reeves. And as you mentioned last week, it's kind of known as the Keanu Reeves football movie. So but yeah. it's, it's it's an odd one because it sort of, I think, gets a lot, little bit more appreciation now, this movie. But the cast in this is actually pretty good. Like, there's a pretty decent oh, yeah. cast in this. I mean, John Favreau, he's A-list.com mm. now. Like, back then, I don't know how he was perceived, but... Big, big name person, maybe more so as a director, but you still know who he is nowadays. Um, and Gene Hackman, who, for some reason, I thought he died recently, but he's still alive. <laughs> um, he's dead now that I've said that, apparently, but um, I don't know why I thought Gene Hackman died. Uh, Reese Ifans, who I guess, I mean, is not necessarily huge, huge, but he went on to do The Amazing Spider-Man. He, of course, was in Notting Hill, which I think really set him on, uh, you know, a, a big stratosphere of people knowing who he is. Um You've got Brooke Langdon. She's there. Uh, <laughs> and as you mentioned, Brett Cullen. <laughs> and Brett Cullen, yes, who I actually really like. I like Brett Cullen. So mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's got a decent cast. I mean, John Madden, I mean, let's be honest, every single football movie, I swear, John Madden is in it. <laughs> like, you have to. It's contractually obligated. <laughs> it is. It's it's surprising that Wayne Gretzky doesn't appear in more hockey movies. Um, you know, yeah. <laughs> he's a little bit more, uh, you know, we don't have... Uh, we did have Gretzky 3D hockey in the 90s, but every single football game is called Madden. So I guess, you know, American football put Madden's name on it. But yeah, this movie, it's, it is it is entertaining. But I guess my history of it really quickly is I remember Dad renting this when it came out, not long after it came out. We enjoyed it, and it was one that we would rent constantly. I think it was on TV one time, so I taped it, and we would just watch it every now and then. And then I eventually got it on DVD, and it would gradually turn into one of these movies that dad and I would honestly watch probably easily once a year. Um, it was just one of those ones on a Saturday night when you couldn't decide if you're at the video store and you just, there was nothing there. Oh, let's get the replacements. Like it was legitimately a movie that you always found yourself watching sometimes. So yeah, that's, that's my history. I don't know if you ever saw this at the movies or anything like that. Oh yeah. I, I was there opening weekend for this because I mean my history of this really is history of Keanu Reeves and my ins- obsession with Bill and Ted as a kid, um, which then led to my obsession with Speed, which then led to my obsession the with The Matrix, which the movie, yes, <laughs> <laughs> Bill and Ted turned me on to. <laughs> wow, Colin <laughs> just admitted. <laughs> 
Colin's been building up to that for many years. And then I got addicted to speed and my life derailed. <laughs> All because of Keanu Reeves. <laughs> I sold my kids. Casper was sold on eBay. <laughs> Uh, but the movie speed and the, the matrix, I mean, he's, he's interesting because he's one of these actors that I think when Bill and Ted came out, he became a very big deal. Um, and then of course, point break after that and then speed, but it's not like he was always a lister Keanu Reeves, you know, every couple of years, he just have a movie that just reminded everybody how great Keanu Reeves is, because let's be honest, he has a very one dimensional acting style, but it's kind of an acting style. That's like, it's strangely charismatic without him really doing anything. It's so laid back and almost lazy, but there's just something so likable about him. And you can't really go through a career and say that he had like a Tom Cruise following or Denzel Washington, where it's like every movie was just hit, hit, hit. It was like every three to five years, he'd have something that was a massive success. And then everybody'd be like, wow, yeah, I remember Keanu Reeves. I mean, this is coming right off of the matrix. So I kind of expected this would be a bigger hit than it was. Cause it was the first thing he did after the matrix came out, but I was there opening weekend just because it was Keanu Reeves. I, I couldn't care less about football or what the movie looked like. And the theater was, about a, a third full, let's say. <laughs> I don't remember it being like a packed house and we'll go through the box office at the end. You know, it was moderately successful movie to be generous. Uh, but I just remember absolutely loving this movie. And you mentioned on uh, VHS, you know, I, I remember around the time period, late 90s, early 2000s, we had a couple of VCRs and one of them actually bypassed copyright protection. Because if you ever tried to record from one VCR to another, yeah. the picture would go all like faded in and out. But yeah. we had one VCR that bypassed that. So we would constantly rent movies and then just record our VHSs. And of course, if you're recording on, you know, the 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 speed that allows you to fill three movies on one VHS, I would just put together these VHSs. I remember this was, I don't even remember what the third movie was, but I had this and Space Cowboys. And I would watch that tape to death. Um, the year 2000, I pretty much remember it as X-Men, The Replacements, and Space Cowboys. Because, I mean, those were the three movies that I just – I lived every single day. So we would put this movie on and put this tape on watch Space Cowboys and watch The Replacements. And whatever else was the third movie, apparently we didn't watch as much. Uh, but it was just like a constant thing on in our house. And it, it's not one of these movies where I sort of stopped watching. I mean I mentioned it last week. I, I probably still watch The Replacements at least once a year. Last night, though, I could not find my copy of The Replacements. <laughs> One of the problems with having a now four-year-old kid in the house is that he just looks for movies and he takes movies out and he plays with them. And I was searching everywhere for this movie and I got lucky that there is a full version of it on YouTube that hasn't been pulled down yet. Uh, so I was able to watch it last night without having to search for my copy. But I'm telling you this right now. If that copy doesn't turn up, I'm taking that out of Casper's trust fund. I am I am opening up his trust fund to buy myself another copy of The Replacements. Ja- Jamie just has this secret stash of Keanu Reeves movies. She has a shrine. So basically yes. it's like yes. you walk in, there's all these like pictures of Keanu Reeves and automatically plays like a video of Keanu Reeves. So she's just got your copy there somewhere. I think that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's where The Matrix went. That's where my Bill and Ted's went. That's where Point Break went. That's where Sweet November is right now. <laughs> But it's it's weird with Keanu Reeves because yeah, like he everybody loves him now. It's 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 just a thing. It's really yeah. he's taken off in what the last five years, maybe not even that. It's maybe even been sooner than that. But he kind of 
even at this period, clearly, we're going to talk about in this movie, sort of was still very hit and miss. I mean, he was huge after Speed, then kind of went away, mm-hmm. and he wasn't around. And then The Matrix happens. He's huge again. But then it really kind of was this weird period, because I remember a lot of criticisms against Keanu Reeves in this period, like Constantine. I remember when that came out, he got a lot of uh, yeah. criticism. The Devil's Advocate was around this period, wasn't it? And Yeah, he- it was a couple of about a year or two before this. I just remember like a lot of criticism labelled at him and it was just it was a strange period. And then all of a sudden now he's just literally everybody loves this man, except for that one person that mm-hmm. tuned out at the beginning because they're an idiot. So Yeah. And it's and it's crazy because this guy is just you're right, he's just so nice, but like he he isn't the greatest actor, but there's something about him that you don't care. Like he's yeah. like Tom Welling. Remember when we talked about yeah, Tom yes. Welling? <laughs> yeah. And how <laughs> Tom Welling's a shit actor, but gosh, isn't he just the nicest looking kid that you just want to hang out with because he's Tom Welling? I'm really putting my finger on what Jamie's type is now because Keanu Reeves, Tom Welling, these are two of her favorites. I mean, we're going to build the list here and then we'll just know which guys Jamie's going to leave me for. <laughs> but you are these guys, Colin. Like, you're not a very good yeah, actor. Yeah, I'm in the group. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I'm Canadian. You're Canadian. Um, but you just, gosh damn, it's so nice. <laughs> There's just something about you all. But, yeah, and, like, whereabouts in Canada? Because I'm trying, he was born in Lebanon. But whereabouts in Canada was he raised? Is this a thing you he know? He was raised in Ontario. Um, I'm thinking it was Hamilton or somewhere around there. Uh but yeah, I mean, he's not born Canadian citizen, but Keanu Reeves kind of considers himself Canadian because he grew up here, uh, which is why it's so great in the very disappointing Toy Story 4 that scene stealer Keanu Reeves was playing a Canadian stuntman, <laughs> which is fantastic. Uh, but I mean, Keanu Reeves, in, in, it's one of these things in, in Canada where I think people forget he's Canadian. It's not like Mike Myers where, you know, everybody knows Mike Myers is Canadian. Uh, because Mike Myers, doesn't tell know who Mike Myers is. <laughs> <laughs> he was her neighbor and she didn't know. <laughs> it's a dad. Didn't you but, know that? Um, her dad is Mike Myers. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, with Keanu Reeves, I mean, I don't think that he's just such a private person. That's the other thing. Because if you go back to the 90s, there was a lot of criticism of Keanu Reeves and a lot of people would just start rumors, which we won't get into, which ultimately just came down to the fact that he said, I'm going to keep my private life private. And he never really looked for fame. He would do these small movies. You know, he had a band, but he wasn't the singer. He was just the bass player in a random band. And he was just such a private guy. But uh, I, I think being here in Winnipeg, I'm pretty sure I mentioned this on the Speed episode. After Speed came out, Keanu Reeves really, uh, because he doesn't want fame fortune, he's like, I just want to do different things. He wanted to do Shakespeare. And thinking Keanu Reeves doing Shakespeare, you might laugh, but he had actually been in a Shakespearean film at that point, Much Ado About Nothing. Uh, and he wanted to do Shakespeare theater. And somebody, some theater in Winnipeg made him an offer. And Keanu Reeves spent something like three to four months in Winnipeg doing Shakespeare. I don't even remember what it was, Hamlet, who knows, every single night. And it was such a huge deal that you tune on to the, tune into the news every single night, and it was oh, okay. So this was our Keanu Reeves sighting of the day. This person <laughs> saw him at the Domo filling up gas. That's so Hobart. Uh, Hobart was bought, exactly the same when a celebrity yeah. was in town. Yep. I, I mean, 
now it's no big deal because Winnipeg's we have so many tax breaks that we're one of the, the, the top cities in Canada to film movies. But at the time, like a celebrity being here was such a big deal. But Keanu Reeves is like, you know, I'll go to Winnipeg and just do Shakespeare. <laughs> so I think at least here in Winnipeg, people have always loved Keanu Reeves and and remembered him as being like this this great Canadian. But I, I want to see him go back to do some more Shakespeare. Come back to Winnipeg, Keanu. It's a we'll sen- pay you. It's a sentence that just shouldn't work, but you don't care and it does. <laughs> Keanu Reeves, Shakespeare, yeah. Winnipeg. Just like <laughs> these things just don't seem to go together, but I'm in. <laughs> like I'm in. <laughs> You know, like Amanda Peet, $200 million blockbuster, Roland Emmerich. <laughs> Amanda Peet, end of sentence. Um, it, just, it just doesn't work. <laughs> like there's something about it that doesn't work. Um, yeah, it's it's crazy. And I remember, obviously everyone knows the sad Keanu meme that went around many years ago. And there was that really famous video of him on just riding the subway in New York City. Because he just, he apparently yeah. rides the subway just like a normal person. And he got up and he gave his seat to, like, another person. like, And it was just, like, a regular exchange. And I understand. Keanu Reeves is a human being. He's a regular person. But he's an A-lister. You know, you're not going to get on a subway. And, oh, hi, Meryl Streep. How are you? Oh, you've got your Oscar with you today. Which one's that one? Number 72? Like, you know, it's kind of... It just You don't associate that with people in that, that context. So, yeah, I think this is just why people like him so much. Amanda Pete, learn something from Keanu Reeves, right? Just Yeah. Just be more like Keanu. That should be a t- There's a T-shirt, Colin, for our, our store. Be more like Keanu. There we go. Come on. <laughs> I'll, I'd wear it. Um, the director of this movie, now, is it Howard Deutsch? Dutch? Uh, uh, yes. Let's go with Deutsch. It looks like the German <laughs> spelling of Germany, Deutschland, so I'm going to go with Deutsch. Um, now, I don't know how familiar you are with your, with a lot of his work. He did a fair bit of, uh, work with John Hughes in the eighties, but he directed a movie, which I believe you love, uh, the whole 10 yards. I don't know if you like that better or worse than the whole nine yards, but, um, grumpier old men. I like the grumpy and grumpier old men, um, duology. I do enjoy those films. (laughs) Um, he directed some episodes of Caroline in the city. I used to like that show. (laughs) <laughs> um, he's directed American Horror, Horror Story Coven. He's done some Young Sheldon, which I watch. So, I mean, a, a fairly solid career. Nothing outstanding here. Mm. But, uh, you know, some kind of wonderful and pretty in pink. I think we're kind of the ones from the 80s with John Hughes. Uh, the, the Great, great outdoors, outdoors as well. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, are, are you familiar with a lot of his work? He, actually, hang on. He's uh, married. I mean, so, Caroline the City, can I just say, he's married to Leah Thompson. They're still married. So, there you go. Oh. Lucky well, man. Now you know he's a real man. He is. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I grew up watching The Great Outdoors and then the Grumpy Old Men movies, you know, so uh, I, I don't think I really ever followed his career, but I sort of just remember around the time they were placed, since maybe it was in one of the trailers. It was like from the director of Grumpy and Grumpier Old Men or whatever. Uh, but I mean, th- this is obviously the number one film he ever directed. Yeah. Absolutely. I just, I'm just sorry. I'm just looking at Leah Thompson. Can I just say, I love Leah Thompson. I wish I could go back 12 months. And instead of, I love Rene Russo, don't get me wrong, but I kind of wish I had to drop Leah Thompson's name because, you know, we'd be about to do Leah Thompson once. <laughs> I don't know about you, how you feel I, about that. I, I 100% thought you were going, I wish I could go back a year and propose to Leah Thompson instead. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I wouldn't say no to that either, but um, she's nearly I mean, we could be covering now. Howard the we could be covering Howard the Duck this month and Jaws 3. Well, we could be. Or, you know, the Back to the Future trilogy. Uh, <laughs> 
maybe that might work out better. But well, um, if you want to go for the obvious choice, <laughs> um, but yes, and yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I looked actually before we did this to see if any other sort of there were some YouTube videos or anything on the replacements, but I can't really find anything. I I'm not going to say we're the first podcast we ever do an episode on the replacements because I doubt that's true. I'm sure there's a Keanu Reeves podcast out there that has done this, but this is a movie that is seemingly getting a little bit more attention now, again, because of the Keanu Reeves love, but I'm surprised to find there isn't sort of like a nostalgia critic review or an everything wrong with the replacements or something like that. So it's kind of, maybe we can start this trend of getting this even more love now on its 20th anniversary. Yeah, I mean, at the time this episode's going up, we're probably about a month and a half away from the real 20th anniversary. So let's just make sure to get this episode out there because I'm sure that a lot of people are going to be talking about this in August when the real 20 years rolls around. Uh, It's funny because Keanu Reeves, he's had such a huge revival because of the John Wick movies, but it's almost like people aren't going back and watching a lot of his old stuff because there's a lot of other great movies he made that like you would think a lot more people would be talking about Point Break right now and Mm. Point Break still kind of, you know, Eh, it's a 90s movie or whatever you know the matrix movies people remember that but what about hardball do you ever see hardball i've never seen i've never seen point break i'll be honest with you i've not even seen that oh i think we're covering it next year i've not seen Uh, the bill and ted movies either we're we're covering them at some point uh, (laughs) there's a lot of keanu that i've never seen uh well hardball i think is a movie he made after this which was another sports movie where uh if i think i only saw it one time but if memory serves me right it was essentially a more dramatic version of the mighty ducks but he was coaching a baseball team instead of a hockey team if it doesn't have emilio estevev in it it is nothing like the mighty ducks don't don't insult the (laughs) legacy of that great trilogy um i think like we we have a lot of our favorites on this podcast obviously we're very much nearly at the pointy end of Arnold Schwarzenegger's filmography but um <laughs> I think like we we need to gradually set ourselves like a target we're going to choose a certain amount we'll have to come up with you know and we'll go equal men equal women and we'll see who we can cover their filmography first so maybe that could be an idea yeah. when we've got off weeks we can just okay we need to do this Arnie movie or that so I'm throwing out there just now Keanu Reeves Arnold Schwarzenegger obvious ones uh, we need to bring yes. back our Brendan Fraser and Tobey Maguire love. They've they've slipped, Colin. I'm mm-hmm. sad that in three years since we really champ, we have not championed Brendan Fraser or Tobey Maguire. Shame on us. Shame on yeah. us. Um, and females, obviously, Renee Russo. Uh, I mean, Leah Thompson's just been mentioned. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why are we laughing? <laughs> Whoopi Goldberg. Um, yeah, <laughs> we, we we need to come up with a concise list here. I mean, obviously, we're probably giving ourselves a lot of homework, but I don't know. It just it's it's a, a fun little thing, I think. That um, absolutely, you know, that we can do. Uh, Emilio Estevez needs to be put out there. Can I just say that man seems to be forgotten? You know, he's the calm one in the Sheen family. Not- why are we not covering Rihanna's filmography? We could be done in a month and we would be so much better for it. If we're doing Rihanna's filmography, we're doing Madonna's filmography. Um, okay, scratch that idea. <laughs> Having done. said that, I don't, I don't dislike Rihanna, whereas you dislike Madonna, so that's not a fair comparison. Yes. So I need to choose someone like Kylie Minogue, who I feel you have no opinion on. <laughs> so we can do San Andreas. Uh, we're going to do Swinging Safari next year. The Street Fighter movie. Do you remember the Street Fighter movie? She was the main oh, girl yeah, in that. Oh, yeah, I remember that. I don't know if you knew that was Kylie Minogue, but there you go. Um, anyway, uh, The Replacements. <laughs> the interesting thing too, actually, is that um, I think I knew this, but I kind of read a little bit about it in the lead up to doing this episode, that this is very loosely based on a true story. 
Um, and I don't know if you are overly familiar with the situation, but in 1987, there was an, a legitimate NFL strike and they used replacement players in a variety of games. Now, it's it's a very odd situation to me because in Australian sports, this is something that would never happen. Strikes, for example, would never happen. I, I don't think mm-hmm. it has ever happened in Australian sports. I could be very wrong there. But like this is something that I know from following the NFL, uh, the NHL, the NBA, the MLB, that this is a thing. I mean, how many, there's been, what, two NHL lockouts in the last 20 years? There was a baseball one in the last 20 years, I believe. There was an NBA one. So, like, this is a thing that obviously constantly happens. I guess the difference here is, rather than just having a lockout or a cancelled season, they legitimately got in replacement players and are like, eh, screw (laughs) it, you guys aren't going to play. We'll get some, you know, (laughs) D-listers. And I actually like that idea. Like, this is props to the NFL because I would... Like, I would be into this. I want to see the NHL on strike and then seeing, like, Colin Hilding being drafted up for the Winnipeg Jets because they're all they could get. Like, here you go, Colin, make your NHL debut tonight up against the full-strength Pittsburgh Penguins. You're on Sidney Crosby. Go. Uh, that would not last long. I would not do well. <laughs> yeah, he would get his ass kicked. You are so good against him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hidden talents. But, I mean, were you familiar much with this, this NFL strike? No, I... and. I think it's just because I didn't really follow football. The football that I did follow, you know, growing up was Canadian football. So I, other than the Super Bowl every once in a while being on TV, I didn't really follow the sport. Uh, I think the first time I heard about this was when the movie came out and they said this is loosely based on the 1987, you know, uh, NFL strike or whatever. Uh, it's funny because I I remember when, when this movie did come out and all the reviews and everything were saying, oh, really, they just take the idea of it, nothing else. But then when you start reading the trivia, you realize a lot of this movie was very closely inspired by it. You know, the whole idea about the uh, the quarterbacks, uh, you know, the, the, the Falco and then the um, uh, Martell dynamic and the one guy coming in at the end, the fact of how many games they had left, even a prisoner being released Mm. Uh, by the governor to play actually happened uh, actually for the Which Washington Which is one of the team, things that so. I legitimately thought was stupid, but yeah, like that legitimately was a yeah, thing that actually was happened. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's, I really wish I could see this because it would have been such a crazy time because I, it, we're coming off of the very short-lived, even shorter-lived second iteration of the XFL than the first one that lasted a single season. <laughs> this time it lasted, what, four weeks? Uh, and watching the XFL for, I think, one or two weeks you got a lot of what you get in this movie. You get some really bad football, and then you get some really fun football because the play the players they got nothing else to play for. They're like, "Well, this is my only shot. Let's just make it worthwhile." And whether it played out like these games or not, I think it would be fun just to see people, you know, being given a chance to finish out a season and just see where they could go with it. And I'm sure that coming off of that strike, the NFL probably had a few players on the radar that was never there before. And I, I kind of like to finish watching this movie and think about which guys would a team give a second look to after this movie finished. And that's the thing, actually, which I, I definitely implore people to do is to read the the trivia on this movie and the things that it was based on. Because as we kind of mentioned, this movie is a bit silly. It's a bit simple and it's very, like, cliche and there's some problems with it. But in reading that trivia, it actually kind of made me not feel as critical about it because... There yeah. are definitely moments in this movie where I'm thinking, like, wow, that's that's lazy, that's dumb, like, what the hell? But when you read it, it's actually kind of true. You're like, oh, okay, well, that's fine. Like, remember when we talked about Cool Runnings and how they took <laughs> so much creative license with the true story of the Jamaican bobsled team and turned it very Disney? Didn't really seem to bother us too much, but there was some stuff that we kind of like, okay, well, you didn't need to go that far. 
this is kind of the opposite. It's kind of almost like, well, that seems so unbelievable, but it's actually closer to reality. So yeah. it's it's weird knowing that truth. And there are going to be bits where I would feel like I was going to pick apart things. Like, for example, the the game at the end when they're playing Dallas are basically a full-strength Dallas, and you decide to put in like a <laughs> second or third-string quarterback instead of the best quarterback in the league. In real life, the Washington Redskins came up against the Dallas Cowboys, who were basically at full strength, and they beat the Cowboys thirteen yeah. to seven. That was with a the le- replacements. With re- <laughs> so this is a legitimate thing. So here I am thinking, oh my god, this is so unbelievable. That would never happen. It did happen. So it's yeah. like if the Manitoba Moose beat. Well, I was going to say the Canucks, <laughs> but that's not that hard. Um, <laughs> the Capitals. The Capitals. Or the blues, you know what I mean. So, but mm. it it legitimately happened. So, um, yeah, a, a weird props to the filmmakers on this one for because it's not even advertised. It's not like it comes up with writing at the beginning of this movie. Going, this following is based on a true yeah. story. Or even in the um the commercials, they don't say based on a true story. This might be the most realistic, mm. not based on a true story, but based on a true story movie I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, arguably, there is more truth in this movie than there was in Cool Runnings. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, it would be fair if they did advertise it like that. And, and again, the characters not based on truth. The, the the setting, it's modern day versus the '80s, not true. But the events and the depiction and a lot of the the ideas of the characters, it was all there in real life. And you know what? Let's just say it. If people are willing to pay us three dollars a month, we will cover bonus episodes of the replacement <laughs> games from 1987. Hey. <laughs> I know very little about American football. I've learnt from playing Madden, and I would gladly try and commentate an Australian's perspective of what I know about American football. So I will constantly use the words tight end because I think that's hilarious that that is a, a thing. Uh, well, actually, one thing, though, that this movie did generate a little bit of controversy, and maybe this is why they didn't skew so much towards the based on a true story, because I guess if you put based on a true story... It, it adds a little bit more weight to it, doesn't it? Like there's a lot more people are going to analyse it and you're going to get the real people coming out. But apparently because Shane Falco, Keanu Reeves' character, is kind of loosely based on two quarterbacks and one of the quarterbacks, yeah. I believe, was black, there was actually some controversy that they kind of had whitewashed this character and made them white. So I believe there even were some protests around this. Um, so, but it is, I, I, I don't know, like the, the whole story about that, because I, I realized that Keanu Reeves is, yeah, but kind of based on two characters, even though then you've got this prisoner character who in real life, Keanu Reeves character is sort of based on, that's a half sort of character that they are. But then you've got a actual character coming out of prison in this movie. Who's not a quarterback. So it's kind of a bit skew if on where the, the lines are drawn of who's based on whom, essentially. And you know that there was no sumo wrestler no. in the NFL. <laughs> but you know what? Maybe we'll be surprised and it'll come out one of these days. You never know. There, there could be as well. Uh, we're going to get into this movie. We're obviously going a little bit long in terms of uh, explaining a lot of this stuff, but it's fun. Uh, you know, and, and famous last words. There's maybe stuff in this movie that we don't necessarily <laughs> have to go into complete detail about. But the, the, when I say this movie's simple, and I don't know if you feel the same way as well, it it is very is edited... Like, it doesn't take much to understand this movie. And it's almost edited yeah. in a TV show. So it's kind of like when we did um, uh, Good Cop, Bon Cop, Bon Cop, Bad, whatever that movie was. You know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. How I kind of mentioned it was sort yeah. of edited a little bit like a TV show. This, to me, is almost edited a little bit like a, a weekly TV show. It's kind of simple. It's to the point. You've got some really weird transitions with cheesy pop music. Um, the, the love story is a little bit 
you know, but it still kind of works. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know, like, if that's a vibe that you get from this movie that's kind of almost like a, an extended TV episode. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Um, and especially when you get to the game footage, because uh, I think we actually get a lot less football. It feels like there's a lot of football in this movie. But I think if you really boil it down, there's a lot less football than you get in most sports movies because it's just sort of montage here, montage here. And apparently just in reading the trivia, all of the football scenes were filmed in one weekend. So they didn't <laughs> waste a lot of time. They just sort of brought in the extras, said, do this, do this, do this. They obviously got some of the close ups later. But it does feel very montage as opposed to this isn't like Friday Night Lights, you know, where they're like, let's really show the drama of a game and everything involved in it. And like, no, let's just get a couple of highlights in there. It's a clip reel. That's all it is. And one thing I'll say, a, a massive props to Americans. You do a very good job at making movies about your sport of American football and making the sport look more interesting than it actually is. And <laughs> I, I say that. Because I don't dislike the sport. I, I like learning about it and I like... Because I know it's a very strategic game and you've really got to know the subtleties of it to really understand it. I completely get that. And I the more and more I watch it, the more and more I appreciate the sport. But movies always make it look so... Like, I remember as a kid, I'd be like, ah, oh, Super Bowl's on, I'm going to get up, I'm going to watch it. And within, like, 10 minutes, like, what the hell am I watching? Like, they just throw the ball and they go off the field for 10 minutes. Like, what? What are they doing? Yeah. So, and like, I've there's a lot of other American football movies. Like, I mean, I know it's not exactly a realistic movie, but I love The Waterboy. That's a, a personal favorite of mine. Uh, Remember the Titans. That's a great movie. Yeah. Um, they're the only ones I can think of off the top of my head. Uh, Jeremy Guy was Lights. fine. I've not seen Friday Night Lights, but uh, I will add it to the list. So, yeah, like the the, the movies that I do see, it's got, of the four major sports in North America, it's probably the one I know the least about. And it's maybe on par with baseball as one that I follow the least closely, but I still do follow it enough to follow my team's mm-hmm. scores and I'll watch the Super Bowl when I can because I like that whole event. So this movie, it does a good job of keeping me interested in the sport. Good job, the makers of this movie. Howard Deutsch. Yes, Howard Deutsch. Mr. Leah Thompson. Mr. Thompson. Mr. Thompson, good job. Mr. Thompson. And another thing too, I'm not usually a fan of sports movies that are like based on professional leagues where they make teams up. It kind of irks me because I'm kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah. we know you're meant to be the Redskins. Like, we know you're meant to be the Cowboys. But for some reason, this movie, it doesn't bother me. Like, I don't know about you, but like, I actually don't care that this mm. isn't the NFL and they're not the Redskins. Like, I, it kind of doesn't bother me at all. I don't know if you have a thought on that. Yeah, there's a TV show that did make my top 50 favorite TV shows list called Power Play, which was mm. about the the management side of a hockey team in a the NHL they made it a fictional version of the NHL and you would always have you know the other teams with logos that look like a maple leaf and i think what bothered me in that was that it's the same thing in this movie the only team that actually gets a team name is the main team because all the other ones are just going to be like oh the washington sentinels are playing dallas the washington <laughs> sentinels are playing chicago the washington sentinels are playing detroit <laughs> Uh, and it was the same thing of that. I think it's it's something that you you're conscious of. You pick up on it, but maybe because they do a good job of not showing the logos off too much and making the colors the same, uh, it's not too noticeable. But it could also just be that I'm not that big of an NFL fan, so I'm not going to pick it apart the same way I would something else. Do you have a team in the NFL, Colin? I would say for any type of sport that I am not 
very attached to it's typically the minnesota teams uh like nba i'm not like super into nba i've had you know years here and there in and out but always would sort of go for the timberwolves because they're from minnesota closest to winnipeg same thing for football i mean the the minnesota vikings just because they are the closest to winnipeg i guess so clearly you're going to ditch the leafs and go for the wild because they will win a stanley (laughs) cup actually who will win a stanley cup i will say I will say my, my wife, Jamie, she is flat out obsessed with the Green Bay Packers. She's a bigger football <laughs> fan. She doesn't understand the game. Like I understand. I explained to her so as we're random. watching football. Who's hot on the Green this Bay Packers? Why, no, no joke. That's it's Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback. Right. Uh, and it's so funny because the Green Bay Packers did a uh, uh, exhibition game here. And the very first thing people that we knew said was, so was Jamie at the airport stalking Aaron Rodgers? She will watch football and she will spend most of the time when she sees a player on the field covered by a helmet, Googling to see what they look like outside of their uniform to decide whether she likes that player or that team. He looks like, oh, he looks like the guy from um, Glee who was in a wheelchair. Uh, Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> like, no, well, the, the actor's not in a wheelchair, but the character was in a wheelchair. Um, so. Does he? Yeah, in the pictures I'm seeing, he does. Um, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I, um, I I'm a, a little bit. I'm a Buffalo Bills fan, for those who want to know, just because. Um, I think because growing <laughs> up, I remember they were in like three or four Super Bowls in a row and they lost them. And my dad always goes to the New York teams and I think they played the Giants in one Super Bowl. So I'm just like, Dad, I'm going to go for the team that they're playing against your team. So... There you go. And I've stuck with the Buffalo Bills ever since. That's why I kind of don't mind the Sabres because they're kind of like the Bills and they suck and they make finals and never win. So. <laughs> ben really likes teams from Buffalo that suck. <laughs> um, but we get uh, our opening of this. So Keanu Reeves lives on a houseboat. For some, re- for some reason, I just imagine Jamie really liking that. Like I just imagine Jamie going, oh, what a perfect life living with Keanu Reeves on a houseboat. Don't know if she likes boats or not, but um, honestly, it could have been Keanu Reeves in a doghouse or a birdhouse, and she would have. What a perfect life! <laughs> Living with Keanu Reeves in a dumpster. How about that? <laughs> Otherwise known as Winnipeg. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so Keanu Reeves is clearing barnacles. He basically cleans boats for a living. And he's swimming and then he sees a trophy at the bottom of the ocean. And somehow he can hold his breath for about 10 minutes as he pretends to play football. <laughs> um, I don't understand the point of this because, like, isn't he meant to hate football or something? Or is he just reliving it because he's Keanu Reeves? Who cares? It's Keanu Reeves underwater playing football. That's an awesome scene. I shouldn't be complaining. Uh, we find out that there's going to be an NFL strike. And that uh, we meet our our douchey quarterback of this movie, played uh, by everybody's favourite Brett Cullen, Eddie Martell. Got to say, Colin, um, he might be one of these villains that maybe isn't necessarily completely in the wrong. Uh, I agree. <laughs> same with the team owner in this movie. I have to kind of side with them in some of their viewpoints in this mm-hmm. movie. So I, I like Brett Cullen. He's in lots of things. He's generally oh. always a bad guy. He was in Lost, of course. Um, but, I mean, he kind of plays the same character in every single movie, but he's definitely one of those people that people will always know. Oh, there's that guy. You maybe not know his name by, yeah. by heart, but, you know, good for you, Brett Cullen. I do like this video yeah. with uh, the interview where they're like, um, oh, the players are going on strike. And he's like, some people might think that $5 million is a lot of money, but have you ever tried to pay tax on this and tax on that? And that one guy's like, do you have any idea how much insurance is on a Ferrari? Yeah. <laughs> I love that. We meet the team owner. 
he's essentially bagging out his players. What does he say? Like Montel's a pussy or something like that. <laughs> Mont- Martel. <laughs> um, he hires Gene Hackman to coach some replacement players, and we learn there's three games left of the season. Uh, four games left of the season. Sorry, if they win three, they're in the playoffs. Now, this is where I initially had a problem because I'm thinking like, well, why is this like? Why are you just making them make the playoffs? Like, because for all we know, a week later they get eliminated when the real players come back in. Like, do this so this is like we win three games, we're in the Super Bowl. Like, maybe that's way too cliche. But again, this comes into that fact where this is very much based on real life because these replacement players in 1987 played only three games. They won all three. Eventually, the Redskins, who, of course, this is the Sentinels, but it's based on the Redskins, did go on to win the Super Bowl that year. And for many years, they were the replacement players were never acknowledged, but then they've finally now acknowledged them as saying, like, look, if we didn't win those three games, we wouldn't have won the Super Bowl. We wouldn't have even made the playoffs. So they've now gotten Super Bowl rings. So... Again, one of these things that sort of annoyed me at first, but now I kind of understand it, why you're just going for the, oh, we make the playoffs. Going to compare it, Colin, to one of my favorite movies of all time, my top 50 movies, of course, Eddie, where that movie is all about based on making the playoffs for the Knicks, not necessarily winning the championship, so it's slightly different. Um, But we don't really learn a lot about Gene Hackman in this movie, do we? He's, He's a coach that... Did he used to... He's a coach from the 80s. Is that all we hear from him? He he did coach in Dallas, was it, at one point? Uh, We get a little bit more than that. According to Keanu Reeves, he's an old coach from the 80s. Oh, right. Sorry. (laughs) And he was fired by the the, the owner before. Which is interesting because Gene Hackman, big name actor, and I don't feel he does a lot in this movie. Like, no, <laughs> I like Gene Hackman in this movie and I like Gene Hackman. I'm not complaining, but he just kind of feels wasted. I don't know if that's just me or not. I mean, I, I, I don't want to start our speculations of release the Deutsch cut or whatever, but uh, <laughs> there, there are a, there are a lot of things in this movie that, you know, very well was filmed because it is complete. It's not like it's just a plot hole. It's like you could tell there was a deleted scene there. I'm willing to bet that there's some good Gene Hackman stuff that was cut from this movie. Uh, there's at least one scene that I know of, but uh, he's 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 Gene Hackman, you know. He he doesn't need to do much. The the long um, awaited hashtag of release the Deutsch the three and a half hour extended <laughs> edition um, coming soon to HBO Max. Um, can't wait. But um, so he basically, Gene Hackman is going to be given free range on his team. He can choose whoever he wants. He wants it in writing. Good for him. And of course, if you've ever seen a sports movie before, you know it's going to be a cliched bunch of ragtag individuals who are just weird, funny people. But that's why we love this movie. So we're going to meet Orlando Jones. Yay! (laughs) Who works in a mini mart and he's basically super fast, but he can't catch. So it reminds me a lot of the cowboy dude, not the cowboy dude, the um, oh, the Latino guy in D2, the Mighty Ducks, who was super fast but couldn't stop. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, what was, where was, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, yeah. So, and plus we love Orlando Jones, so they're, they're on similar, him and that actor in D2, the Mighty Ducks, very similar. <laughs> Both <laughs> gone on to big things. Um, John Favreau is like a... Uh, a wild John Favreau is amazing in this movie. Can I just say that? Like, not oh, only yeah. is this John Favreau, he's incredible in this movie. <laughs> he's so funny and just puts everything into this role. It's so great. Um, the one thing I noticed too, you don't really learn a lot about their football backgrounds. Like, we with Reese Iphens, like he's legitimately just a, a soccer player who can kick the ball very long. Like, 
So uh, is this, he has no experience with football at all because later on we kind of get that line where it's like, remember, you've got to kick over, not under. Again, similar to the Mighty Ducks where you've got those figure skaters who come in who's like, it's yeah. like figure skating except with a stick. I feel like there could have been a little bit more explaining some of their football background, but maybe I'm just gelling over it. We've got the there's two... only a handful that get that. Like yeah. the, I, the, the brothers get it. Um, the, uh, the, the minister guy, the reverend gets it. And, um, I think that might be it. Yeah. I think and Shane gets it. That's there's it. a little bit with the prisoner dude. Like I think something's briefly mentioned, but then kind of when John Madden's like doing the, Oh, mm. we've only got here that he's a property of blah, blah, blah. That's it. Like it's kind of, it's a bit strange. And, and then Brian gets that line. Oh, he would have gone in the first round if he wasn't deaf. So you yeah. get that he played football, but like where? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, and like, it's, it's, it's weird with Reese Iphens how like, you know, they literally get a soccer player. Like in all seriousness, a lot of Australian rules footballers end up trying out for the NFL or American football because we can punt the ball very long because that's kind of the style of our game. So I'm not, and I could be very wrong here. I'm not familiar with a soccer player ever doing that, but I'm sure it could be possible because goalkeepers in soccer can kick the ball very long. Uh, don't think it's quite possible for somebody to kick a goal from the other end of the pitch as they say in this movie, but hey, cool. Um, yeah, we meet, so we meet the brothers are kind of like what their security guards for, I'm guessing some famous rapper they're trying to imply here. I like them. Apparently Um, it it actually was ODB. I don't know if you know who ODB is. Oh, I was just listening to him before we started recording. (laughs) I mean, I, am not familiar with his music, but I, I, I know he exists, but yeah, (laughs) I, maybe he's seen in the background, but that's who it's supposed to be in the movie. He's a member of the Wu-Tang Clan. Oh, of course. The Wu-Tang Clan. Yeah. Favorite favorite of mine in uh, my genre of music. Um, <laughs> I'm hoping you you're aware the Wu Tang Clan exists. No, I do. I know who the Wu Tang Clan are. But to me, Wu Tang Clan was more of a because they turned their brand into like clothing. So I remember like yeah. in high school, a lot of people in high school would wear Wu Tang Clan clothing because they Wu-Tang thought they were cool. Logo, yeah. yeah, and I'm not saying you're not cool for wearing Wu Tang Clan clothing. I'm just saying that <laughs> given I went to high school in Australia and we're predominantly white. It doesn't really work for, you know, 13-year-old white kids in suburban Hobart to make you look cool. So just just putting it out there. Um, yeah, Reese Eiffel. So I'm guessing he's – so it's this is, again, where there's a few little things where it doesn't make sense. So he must own this bar because we later find out, yeah. that, like, this is all I have. It's not really sold that well. You just think he's in a bar. And we find out that he's obviously got gambling debts because we've got people threatening him and give us our money. And he's Welsh, apparently. Now, I can't do a Welsh accent unless I do the stereotypical little Britain Welsh accent, but he doesn't sound Welsh to me. He's not Welsh. He's bloody Welsh. No, sorry. (laughs) Bloody Welsh. (laughs) Now, I don't know if Reese Eifens is actually Welsh. Uh, He is. I've looked it up here. He's a Welsh actor. So what do I know about Welsh accents (laughs) when a person from Wales can (laughs) actually act this? Uh, And then we meet Keanu Reeves, who we learn a little bit about him. And as we're going to hear about 400 times in this movie, he screwed up at the 1996 Sugar Bowl. I don't know if you heard that at all uh, (laughs) mentioned at all, because everyone in America seems to remember Shane Falco as the guy who screwed up in the 96 Sugar Bowl. Uh, Clearly a very big game. Um, So all of them come together on a bus. They come to the stadium. We've got our striking players who start calling them scabs. They throw eggs and everything at the bus. The the agent dude, the um the guy who's speaking to the media, he's from like Armageddon and other movies. He's a Yeah. You know, what do we know his Keith name? David. He's what else is he Keith off? David. 
He's, he's one of these guys that's been in everything, and you won't be able to pinpoint what he was in. <laughs> yeah, def- definitely Armageddon. I know he's in Armageddon. Um, Something about he- Mary? Oh, uh, he's the dad. He's the one when yeah. Frank and Beans, like the kid when he gets his... Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. He's, um, yeah, that's... Uh, I like him. He, he hasn't been in much. I mean, is he still alive? He's probably dead. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> You just assume everybody's dead. Well, I mean, this he movie's is alive 20 years and old. Well, and only, he's only 64 years old. Oh, shit. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Keith David. Um, I do like you. Come on the show. Um, I'll get a T-shirt saying, Sorry, Keith David, you're alive. Um, <laughs> best known for the princess. Of- cool. In our collection with, Sorry, Larry the Cable Guy, you're not a child molester. <laughs> Um, oh, he's still very active. He's got like five things. No, more than five, like 10 things in post-production. So he's very busy. God, I'm just not watching. Keith David, we'll add him to the list of filmographies that we've got yeah. to get through one day. <laughs> um, now, this is one of those things, though, where I can kind of understand why these players would be standing outside a stadium angry. Because, again, as we mentioned before, like NHL, NBA, MLB, if they go on strike and they're pissed off that they're not getting paid enough, they generally cancel the season. Like, think about this, Colin. If you had a strike at your job because you wanted more pay and all of a sudden they're like, ah, nah, you go on strike. We'll just get someone in for half the price because they want a second chance or something like that. You're going to be pissed. You're going to be like, well, hang on. Yeah. Why do you need me then? Like, and so this is kind of one of those things where I kind of understand why these people are pro- maybe not throwing eggs. Um, but I don't know. This is, again, the villains of this movie, not necessarily that bad. Look, look, I know it's going to be one of these opinions that people are just going to roll their eyes at, but I'm not saying I completely agree with the way the movie handles the whole, you know, uh, I got, you know, child support and Ferrari payments or whatever, but that's sort of the stereotype. But in all honesty, the one thing that people don't really understand, especially with sports players, is that they make, yes, they make millions upon millions of dollars. But how much money would you ask for if you knew very well your career was going to be over in 15 years? Yeah. Most people go into a job and they're like, all right, I'm going to retire at 65. These people go into a job and they're like, if I'm really lucky, I'll retire at 40. And then you have what you have no other skills that you can, you know, live off of. And you're working, you know, however many months of the year and then you got the rest of the year off. <laughs> if you get injured, you're you're pretty much done. You know, And this is obviously not what this strike was about. This one was, I guess, more about the salary cap. Uh, but let's look at it this way. Should the players who, as Martel says in this movie, he puts fans in the stands, are should they be sharing in the profits as much as the owners? I mean, if they're the ones who are filling the stands, it's the same argument you're going to make with anything, you know? Uh, why should actors get paid $20 million a movie? Well, because people don't pay you know, twenty dollars, uh, including concession stands, to see a Howard Deutsch film. They pay to see a Keanu Reeves film. Yeah, uh, I'm not saying I 100% agree with the logic. I think that you should everybody who puts work in should get an equal share. But another thing to consider. Let's look at the Screen Actors Guild. Okay, this is going on a rant here because I, I was waiting for you to agree with me on this. When the Screen Actors Guild goes on strike, yes, Brad Pitt is on strike, or whoever else the big stars are on strike. But these strikes are actually happening for the low-level people. And there's a really great series of documentaries people should look at. Uh, I think it's called He Was That Guy in That Thing. And a guy like Keith David would be perfect in this movie. But <laughs> it's basically following all these actors that you know them from a million things, but you probably can't place what it was. 
And the most interesting thing is that most of these guys um, and women, because they did another one, it, she's that girl from that thing or whatever, they're on unemployment for 10 months of the year. And when you see their filmography and they've got one movie a year, they do that movie, they may get paid $25,000, $30,000 for one episode of a TV show, or they may get paid you know, $80,000 for a movie, but they're losing half of that to their agent or taxes or whatever else. And a lot of these very famous actors that you think are actually clearing less money than Ben and I are. And yeah. when a lot of these strikes happen, it is more for those lower level players or lower level actors than it is just for the big stars. And this is, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And the thing is too, like, you know, for every single person like a, um, a Martel who's, you know, earning $5 million or whatever like that. So there's only a handful of these people who are on the big, big bucks, the ones that you always learn about. Like the majority of people, and I don't know how salary works in the NFL, but they're only on a certain amount of money. Like I know in the Australian, in the AFL, for example, in Australian football, like it's, it's not that common in Australian sports for you to be getting, you know, more than a million dollars a year. Like our sports mm-hmm. are so much more underpaid compared to North American sports. So like the big names in the AFL are getting more than a million dollars a year. Of course they are. But the average player in the AFL is getting maybe fifty to $100,000 a year, which again, sounds fantastic. Like that's more than most of us make. But as you said, you're only playing for however many years. And these are the lower level guys that are coming straight out of the draft. They might only get five games get delisted by a club and never get picked up again. And as you said, they've got no yeah. skills. They've put their entire life's work into playing professional sport. And at the end of the day too, the players are only getting this money because the revenue is there to pay them. It's not like yeah, exactly. we all woke up as a human society and said, okay, people who throw a ball on a field for 90 minutes a week will get $10 million a game <laughs> and doctors who work 18 hours a day to save lives are only going to get 50000 a year. That's not what we did. If... Surgery was live on TV and Coca-Cola is like, this week, brain surgery, you know, live. <laughs> like, those doctors are going to get paid $50 million a surgery because the demand is there to yeah, pay money. Exactly. Like, people don't seem to understand that the only reason people like this get money, actors and athletes and musicians, it's because we pay them basically to do that by consuming yeah, exactly. their products. You know, like, yeah. Colin so and I are podcast... So it's your fault if they're getting $5 million a year. <laughs> yeah. Colin and I are podcast hosts, right? We do exactly the same thing as, say, let's say Rob Sestanino. And this is not me having a dig at him, but we legitimately do exactly the same thing. But Rob makes a living off his podcast because he has followers and enough people who are willing to pay monthly money to him that he can have that mm-hmm. as a career. He's doing exactly the same thing as Colin and I are, but the difference is there's people willing to give money to his product and not to us. So that's why that Colin and so I have we to say, see- yeah. <laughs> Three dollars a month, and we will commentate <laughs> the replacement games of '87. Three dollars a month is all we ask for. Colin has a speed habit, <laughs> all right. <laughs> As we learn at Double or Seven, I have a cocaine habit. We're very desperate for money. <laughs> anyway, we are going on side tangents. The point is, I actually like again. They play it for laughs with the whole like, you know, how much insurance is on a Ferrari because. This is a movie. We've got to have a villain in it. We've got to have an antagonist. And these are the guys that we've got to dislike. But as Colin and I often point out in our recaps, I'm going to say 95% of the, quote, villains in this movie are not villainous. Like, particularly at the end of this movie, I've got to say I agree with everything the villains are complaining about. (laughs) So, anyway. um, So, we have our our lovely training montage here. They're getting to know each other. We've got our... uh, sumo wrestler guy um we've got the deaf guy 
who he's off things as well, isn't he? Um, uh, yeah, yeah. The, this was his debut. Like he, it's funny because if you look him up, he looks like the same guy, but yet I've seen him in other things and I have never watched any of those things and been like, oh, it's Brian from the replacements, you know? Maybe it's because I actually assumed he was really deaf in real life, but yeah, he's got a, a pretty decent filmography now, but apparently this was the first thing he was in. So this is David Denman? Does he have a brother or something? I'm looking at him. Yeah, he's definitely in something else. Like, I swear I've seen him in, but looking at his filmography, uh, yep. I, I mean, the X Files, maybe ER. I'm <laughs> just one of these big Rangers. Logan Lucky. He was in Logan Lucky. Oh, who was he in Logan Lucky? Moody Chapman. Moody Chapman. Yep. Uh, oh, was he the <laughs> race driver in that? Well, they're all race drivers, pretty much. But uh, <laughs> oh, wait, that guy for the replacements. He played the football player. <laughs> maybe that's him. Not too sure. Um, <laughs> We also, we meet uh, the prisoner guy as well. Now, did you read the trivia on our, the actor who... Yeah, I yep. did. <laughs> um, so in real life, the actor who plays our prisoner here, Michael Jace, uh, 2016, I believe, actually killed his wife and he's now in jail. Uh, so, uh, yeah, and he apparently, I think he's more well known, he was a, a cop in The Shield, I believe. Um, and but- Southland. He, he made a career off playing police officers after this, and then he went to jail for murdering his wife. Yeah, second degree murder, uh, not first degree. So, you know, tear down from first degree, but uh, it's kind of a bit um, ironic that here he is playing someone from prison. Um, I mean, he was a replacement murderer, so that's where true. <laughs> second degree. Very true. He, he had to live up to He's a very method actor, Michael Jace. Like, he just, <laughs> he, you know, in case they ever make a sequel to The Replacements, he really wants to get inside yeah. that character. Um, I do like it when Keanu Reeves shows up here and they flip his car over and he does the, like, he locks it. Thanks, guys. Like, that was in the trailer. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> um, we get the uh, the old cliche line stolen from the Mighty Ducks. You're not even a has-been. You're a never-was. Um, which, again, like, as a sports movie, you've got to have the feel-good aspect of it. These are a bunch of ragtag people who never got that chance and here they are getting the second chance. I've got to say, the difference here is, is that... There's reasons why these guys didn't get a second chance. Like, it's kind of, it's not like you feel, like, it's not like Emilio Estevez in the Mighty Ducks. Like, he legitimately got an injury. Like, you kind of feel bad for the guy. And he's got some post-traumatic stress syndrome because his coach was a bully and teased him for missing a shot. Um, Can't wait to do the Mighty Ducks movie one day. Cool Runnings. Legitimately, it comes down to Doris got tripped, unfortunately, and he doesn't want to wait four years. So here he is. He sees another opportunity to be an Olympian. Like, there's kind of a story there. We're like, yeah, you go for it. Whereas this one, kind of reasons why they didn't make it big. Again, I'm not trying to completely take away from the feel-good aspect of this movie. It's great. They get a second chance. Everyone in life wants a second chance at something. But... I don't know if they needed to play that up a little bit more because I don't really feel like you get that from these players. Like, oh, you know, I was so close and I did stupid things and maybe if you turn this into a dramatic movie, you could, but I don't know. I I feel like I don't care for them as much as I should. Mm -hmm. No, that's... Like, here's the thing. Only two of the players we've already talked about actually have enough football background to their characters where you get it. The other ones, it is just all about, oh, he can run, but he can't catch, you know? Oh, he he's 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 great, but he can't hear. Uh, he's too vicious, and he can't tell the difference between his teammates and the other teammates, you know? Uh, but the only two guys that you get actually had maybe 
they got a raw deal were Falco because he had, he had one really bad game. And then the, the minister guy mm. says, you know, I had one game and I blew out my knee. The brothers, the, the Jackson brothers, the bouncers, they they say with their character, yeah, they both were, you know, played great, but then they split them up. And then as soon as they got on different teams, they both sucked. So it, they these were guys who got their chance and blew it. And then the other ones, how far are you going to go if you've never caught a ball? And that's going to be one of my plot holes I'm going to have about uh, Orlando Jones coming up later on. Should he have even played three or four games for this team? I don't think so. <laughs> Well, the one time he does something good, he breaks the rules and gets away with it. <laughs> yeah. And again, we love Orlando Jones, but, you know. Um, two other people I want to quickly mention as well that I, I want to mention now because I, I will forget. The two sort of like, uh, are they the assistant coaches or are they the trainers? Yeah. Uh, so there's the sort of the, the bigger dude, uh, Gallard Sartain, I think the actor's name is. Um, he's in lots of things. I'm looking at his filmography here. Nothing that really stands out, but I've definitely seen him there. But Art LaFleur, now he's in lots mm-hmm. of things. I, he's in, is it Man of the House, the Jonathan Taylor Thomas Chevy Chase one that he, they Was go he and, in that? yeah, I'm pretty sure. Cause they go and do like the, um, the Indian guide things. And he's like, I think one of the side people, I'm pretty sure Man of the House. Yeah, he is. I'm looking at it right now. That's a great movie. Tell me you like that movie. Oh, yeah, I love that movie. Great movie. I, I actually was going to say, you know, he was the tooth fairy in the Santa Claus movies. Yes, that, yes. I knew there was something else. <laughs> like, in all seriousness, I'm like, he's definitely off something. Else. And we've, we've talked about him before when we did that, so maybe we've brought this up before. I mean, it's been about three years since we've done that movie. But, um, yeah, and who else? Farrah Fawcett's the mum in that movie, isn't she, in Man of the House? Mm-hmm, yeah. What a combination. Farrah Fawcett, Chevy Chase, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, Art LaFleur. Why haven't we covered this movie? Uh- <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Jonathan Taylor Thomas month, part two, this year. Uh, I, that that and Jungle to Jungle, I used to watch so much as a kid, and I love both of oh, them. Yeah. You, you don't like Jungle to Jungle, though, do you? No, no, I like Jungle to Jungle. It's for or poor I didn't like. Oh, right. I feel there was another one that I really liked that I surprised you didn't like. I, for some reason, I thought you didn't like Jungle to Jungle. Anyway, great movies. Um, Lily Sabowski, an actress I enjoy. She's um, She hasn't been in much recently. <laughs> We've heard about once a week for the last <laughs> month and a half. <laughs> really? I feel like if Lily yeah. Sabowski gets mentioned, the world knows about it. It's 2020, Colin, not 1999. <laughs> I know She's I mentioned her in Deep right Impact now. recently, but uh, she does. She literally, she tweeted right now. Oh, I heard my name mentioned on a podcast. Somebody hire me again, please. Remember, remember me? Um, I do like it when Keanu runs on the field and you've kind of got like the smoke and his hair blowing in the wind. Yeah. looking all great. <laughs> Um, we get some great John Favreau here, like charging. With, I see the red. I see the red, and I think it's like a bull, you know. Um, the one bit that I would say there's there is one bit that really just I just do not like in this movie, and it does not fit at all. It is when we get introduced to the cheerleader, and we kind of cut into this '90s cheesy pop song that just does not fit no! the movie. No, no, oh, no, no. Tell no, me you don't no, like no, this, no. Colin. No, no it's, it's the song. Listen, this is um. The song's called Ride. It's a singer named Amanda Marshall who is Canadian but was in the 90s. Probably, I I would rank her up there as probably one of the top five biggest singers in the 90s. She only released three albums in her entire career, all of which were like multi-multi-platinum. I think her first album uh, went something like 10 times platinum. I mean, she was absolutely enormous here in Canada. And then she had some type of legal dispute with her management 
basically took five years off. And then when that was resolved, she's like, oh, I'm going to start work on my new album. And she spent the last 15 years working on her fourth album and literally is just like, yeah, I'll put it out when I feel it's right. You know, she's amazing singer. I, I, I love this song. I don't I could care less about the sequence. I'm totally with you. Cheesy sequence. But this song, Ride, I love this song. I just, I nothing the song because it's just the way they transition to it. It's kind of like you've got you know, this sportsy music. And this is kind of almost like somebody just pressed next on the CD player. There's no transition. There's no kind of context to it. And next minute we've kind of got this like, Oh girl, I'm going to love you and kiss you. Cause I'm Amanda, whatever you said her name was. And then it's kind of like just Keanu Reeves staring down at Brooke Langton for like five minutes. And then it's just <laughs> odd. Um, but let's just say Brooke Langton, we, we kind of make fun of her. We only make fun of her because she is just, who is she? Like, I think she's gone on to do other things. Good for her. She's not Amanda Pete because I, I nope. like her character. She's, you said it last week, much more attractive. She's also got personality. She seems to care. She has chemistry with Keanu Reeves. She ticks all the boxes. Mm-hmm. She's fine. It's just, who is she? Who's Brooke Langton? Like, <laughs> I mean, we're not going to ever do Brooke Langton month, are we? Uh, <laughs> I don't know if she's been in that many movies. Um and I kind of, maybe my least favorite thing about this movie is the love story. I don't know. It's just there. It it was in every movie of this time period. And I think that's one of the problems is it is so cliched. You just have to do a tacked on love story in a movie. And it, I think in a case like this, in a sports movie, it just doesn't belong. It feels like it doesn't need to be there. This isn't major league where it really helps the character and it helps the story. Yeah. It also helped by the fact it was May Russo in major league. It's just it doesn't feel like it should be in this movie. It feels like it is a different movie. And also the thing that I don't really like, like usually Ben Waterworth and cheerleaders goes very well. I will like anything about that. Don't get me wrong. But why do the cheerleaders also go on strike because of the player strike and she <laughs> doesn't? What? And they get paid fifty dollars a game. So what are they striking? If they if they're striking because they they should be going on strike if they're getting fifty dollars a game. Um, we let's be honest. We got some money back in Survivor Oz days. Okay, I'll be honest. I got some money in Survivor Oz days. None of you guys saw it, but. Um, <laughs> It wasn't much, <laughs> but like I got more than fifty dollars. That's why I'm the only one left. Everybody else is gone. They're like on Ben's strike, funneling the money. They're on strike. Um, <laughs> but like, yeah, is she happy with fifty dollars a game? Like, <laughs> I would th- like okay. I think I think I mentioned this to you before. When you were here in Winnipeg, we went to the Bombers, you know, open house day or whatever. Met some of the players. Met some of the cheerleaders. So and the cheerleaders calendar. even said they were they were selling the calendar. <laughs> Because that's how they funded their cheerleading squad. Um, I I worked with a Bombers cheerleader years ago. Jamie and oh. I both did. And uh, what's her name? Uh, <laughs> I honestly don't remember her name, but I should find out. She was uh, fun. How do but, you um, not remember her name? You work with a professional sports team's cheerleader. You remember their name, Colin. You never forget their well, name. This this is the thing: is that she was working a job, making. A dollar fifty two dollars above minimum wage, and she's like, "Yeah, you know, I, I I get paid. I think it was something like that. It was like fifty bucks a game, and I go and I cheer. And you're looking at home games. You know, you're nine ten times a year. <laughs> you can't even pay one month's rent on a year's worth of cheerleading." <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is there was a there was a movie or a documentary I think actually about this because you know in all seriousness, like there there are obviously big collegiate. 
uh, cheerleader competitions and like it's actually it's a professional sport. Well, I don't know if it's professional, but it's it's a competitive sport is what I'm trying to say. But for sports teams, like yeah, there was definitely something not long ago because like say like the Laker girls are very famous. Um, the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders are very famous. You know, they're kind of their own thing in their own right. But yeah, it was a big thing about how people think they're probably very rich, but they're not um, compared to what their sports teams are getting the players. So, but. All that aside, it just really does not make sense that only one of like she's staying behind. Like this is where you need to explain this a little bit more because I she know. clearly loves the sport because her dad, the connection with the bar and all that sort of stuff. I understand that, but like throw in a line where she says something like, "Oh, all the other cheerleaders are on strike, but I don't care. I love it. I would do this for free." That's all you need to add, and then kind yeah. of you understand why she's there. Yeah, because. I tried for years to figure this out in my head. And I think this is one of the, the issues with the movie is they just simply don't explain. This is why there are deleted scenes out there. But uh, some of the things we'll get into this never really even confirmed if there's deleted scenes to explain it. Are they on strike? Why is she auditioning people? And there's three games left in the season. And for years, I tried to explain it as, oh, well, maybe she only had a couple of positions left to fill because she says, oh, do you have a few of your friends that could come by? But when you see the whole squad filled and they're all doing the stripper routine. You realize she literally was the only cheerleader and she filled the rest of the squad all with strippers, which means they all went on strike in what support of the $5 million a year players. Yeah. Apparently. Yeah. Something like that. I, I don't know. It's, it's strange. like, okay, you get your cliche fun little montage of hopeless people trying out. Ha ha ha. It's funny. We've seen it 30,000 times before, but I do like these two stripper ladies who come in and like, I love, what does the one say? Well, she's like, oh, I was going to tell you something. And then just goes quiet. She's like, she does that a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just forgets it. <laughs> I do like them. They're maybe my favourite random characters in the movie. But the other thing too, like we actually see later on, there's male cheerleaders in this team. Why aren't we seeing male cheerleaders like try out? Because there clearly are male cheerleaders in this team, which I don't know. Does the NFL have male cheerleaders? I've been to a college game in Tennessee and they had male cheerleaders, but I don't know. Yeah. any of the bombers ones males we probably wouldn't oh, have noticed were. But were well, i mean no 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 we weren't we weren't paying attention to them but i do actually vaguely remember seeing them <laughs> what does that say I'll about check me the calendar later <laughs> i um i'm still waiting on that calendar i'm glad that your wife buys you a calendar mallory uh <laughs> So funny story. Uh, when we went to the Bombers open house or whatever uh, and met the cheerleaders or whatever, Jamie decided she wanted to, you know, small talk with them or whatever and found out they were selling these calendars or whatever. And she's like, it's going to be far less embarrassing if I buy a calendar off them than I've called him Ben to. <laughs> so she buys the calendar, which I think was supposed to be for Ben. But then Jamie said, no, Colin, you keep it. Because <laughs> I think she got it autographed to Jamie. <laughs> so you know what? When I come down for your <sighs> wedding, I will officially pass that on to you. We'll do like a five-year sharing thing. <laughs> Deal. I like it's it. It's your rotation coming up. <laughs> Uh, maybe, maybe we do a poll every year. Who deserves a calendar on yellsnetwork.net and um, just you know, if you pay us three dollars a month, we will let you vote in the <laughs> who gets the farmer's cheerleader calendar. Three dollars a month. That's it. It's all in all seriousness, we've actually like we're we're starting a Patreon on our sister show, the Oz Network. Download now, um, and we're gonna give that a, <laughs> guinea pig, sort of see how it goes, because we know we're gonna get nobody paying for it. Uh, at least I would assume Chris Dixon might pay for us $3. I don't know. But um, he pays for a lot of other podcasts, so he might not be able to afford ours. But, 
Yeah, I mean, I would love to think that we could get, like, lad undercover when you listen to this in, like, four years' time yep. and tell us how funny we were <laughs> talking about this. Like, give us $3. <laughs> Inflation in 2023 by then. Um, yeah, I want that calendar. I really want that calendar. Uh, I got and a you know photo what? with the cheerleaders. So did, yeah. They were holding their food. They wouldn't even put their food down for the photo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they had those big, big gob cups. <laughs> That's what happens when and cheerleaders you, come to your Ben Water with, oh, well, we're, we're eating, but this sure. A, this is all available online if you follow Ben's Brink Unleashed films or whatever. But no uh, it was filmed for one of Ben's films uh, <laughs> when we were at the bomber thing. And they had like a, you're in the stadium and with the players and stuff like that. And you could kick the ball. You could kick a field goal. So Ben and I are like, all right, we got this or whatever. <laughs> I think I kick the ball first. It flops up in the air and falls straight down ben kicks it next it basically rolls on the ground and then these two teenage girls just <laughs> on the corner of the corner of the screen i don't even know if you can hear them just go, you guys really suck thank you thank you <laughs> you know what's so funny is that since i've moved here i, I bought myself a five dollar basketball from walmart and i've been going and playing it's been a long time since i've you know been a kid and played shoot some hoops so i was doing that recently and I really do suck. Like, I just can't get it in the hoop. So the whole time I'm thinking of that situation of hearing these teenage girls in the background, you guys suck at this. Like, it's just constantly in my head. Even when I podcast, you guys suck at this. Like, that's, that girl's living in my memory. Like, it's just, it's constantly there. I tell you what, we did the Kill Phil films. I'm still waiting to do your Batman films. We can always do the Brink Unleash films, Colin, if you want to sit down and bore yourself Let's to do tears. Let's we're going to have some free weeks coming up if Wonder Woman gets pushed any later in the year. So, Ben, that moment when you're traveling, tell me what you were thinking. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yes, the strippers, cool, all right. Um, so we then get um, basically Keanu gets driven back by Brooke Langton. Uh, she's a terrible driver. I don't understand the logic behind this. Like, ha, 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 she's a terrible driver. And... She drops him off at the house. I do like when she's like, oh, which one's yours? And he's like, oh, see that white o- that white yacht over there with the satellite dish? Yeah. Mine's a shitty one behind it with the cover and all the particles. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing that kind of... That's so good. The thing that annoys me about this whole love story is like she has this whole big thing of, <laughs> I'm not coming on board because I don't date football players. <laughs> like, no. Um, she's more into him than he's ever into her. It's kind oh, of like yeah. a Happy Gilmore, like, I don't date golfers. At least Happy Gilmore has a fun line when he comes back. Well, that's good because I'm a hockey player. Like, you know, he kind of comes back with not even quarterbacks, <laughs> especially not quarterbacks. Like, a quarterback is a football player, Keanu. Like, whoa. <laughs> um, he just had his mind whoa. blown. <laughs> uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skim through a lot of stuff here and I will let you talk. Um Keanu is at his boat, but then next minute he's at the stadium when he doesn't have a car. So I how know. Does he, how does he get there? Um, he went back. <laughs> he on a bus. <laughs> this bus dropped to little 50. I'm going to be late to the stadium. <laughs> <laughs> Can you, do you ever think that, like, because Keanu Reeves catches subways, right? Do you ever think he avoids catching the bus because people will just do that? Like, oh, my God, Keanu Reeves is on the oh, bus. We're all going to die. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> guaranteed. It's kind of like how um, people posted a meme of Tom Hanks. Like, if you're ever on transportation with Tom Hanks, get off. Because, like, you think yeah. of all the movies <laughs> that he's, like, you know, had, like Castaway and Captain Phillips and uh, what was it? The one with the plane Gully? that crashed. 
Yes, thank you. It's kind of like he's always going to be in a crash. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he's soaking up the atmosphere. He's excited to play. Uh, everybody in the locker room getting pumped up. You know, oh, you can do this. Uh, sumo wrestler guy eats eggs. We had a kind of racist scene before. I should have mentioned the lunchroom scene where that guy is basically like being very racist and implying that he's Chinese. Uh, I'm not even going to go over the things that are said because I'm not Noah. Um, and <laughs> Noah would have recreated that. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> it's taken us a while, but we get to the Noah is racist part of the episode. Uh, so they're all getting out, ready to go into the stadium, and the the actual players have put a trip wire there because laughs apparently. Now, Colin, I've got to say, there's a pretty big crowd for a home game for the Washington Sentinels of replacement players. Um, <laughs> like. Uh, if you lived in Toronto and went to constantly go see Toronto Maple Leafs games and if all of a sudden like Austin Matthews and the crew weren't there and they were, you know, C-list players, do you think it's going to be a full stadium going to see it? Well, I would think there's season ticket holders and I don't know what it's like in the NFL, but I mean, if it's the Maple Leafs or even the Jets, I think the Jets only now in the last few years reached the point where they were selling tickets that weren't season tickets because literally the whole arena was season tickets. I I was actually thinking I thought that maybe there'd be more people there. But uh, yeah, maybe that's uh, maybe it's not a big season ticket market or these people, they've already paid for it. They might as well get their money's worth. Well, one of the problems I think like and I know it kind of plays into what I was saying before about how I can kind of forgive it because it is very true in real life. But I kind of feel that the fact that they only give themselves four games in this situation that there's kind of like, I feel like there needed to be like a season long and just kind of have a bit of as a, as a montage of showing them kind of working together. Because like, I feel like within one game, we go from them nearly winning to them all of a sudden winning. And they're all like, wow, we're so good. And the crowd's all behind us. Like, would the crowd really be turned around that much? Like, Oh, you won one game, you know, Oh, we're close to the playoffs. Like, I'm, I'm going to be honest right now. If I'm a sports fan of the Washington Sentinels, we are three wins out of the playoffs with four games to go, and my play, my team goes on strike, supposedly the best quarterback in the league, I'm pissed. Like, I am very yeah. pissed. Like, we're not going to make it now. What the hell? Screw you. Like, what is going on here? This isn't going to happen. I'm not going to go along and go, oh, well, they've got our C-list team. We might still make it. Like, especially when this strike seems to have no rules that one team can strike yet another can't. Like, it's kind Mm. of... It doesn't seem fair to me. I I don't know, but um, apparently Washington fans don't care. They go and support their beloved (laughs) Sentinels no matter what. Um, I'm not going to go into the ins and outs of this game because it's American football. There's vomiting (laughs) on the ground. They get into a fight with each other because, you know, lack of teamwork. Um, John Favreau tackles a guy before the play even starts and Falco loses the game essentially because he doesn't listen to Gene Hackman and he does his own thing, kind of implying that this is what Shane Falco does. So um, I also do appreciate the fact that... Oh, this is the game when it's like, you're going to get me the ball, I'm going to get you the ball, I'm going to get you the ball. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, okay, I do like that moment, that's funny. John Favreau's nose is always bleeding in this movie. I don't know if you've ever noticed <laughs> yes. that. Um, they don't have a blood rule in American football in 2000. I don't know if they do in modern day. I have no clue. Um, and this all leads... I'm going to cap it at the prison scene. I realise I'm going long here. Um, they all lose. They're all upset. So they end up in the end zone, the aptly named bar. What if you're a hockey fan and you went to the end zone? Do you think you'd be let in? Or is it only football fans can go in there? Uh, they're all sulky. They're all upset. Orlando Jones puts on a, a, a record on the jukebox and it's 
I will survive because <laughs> he apparently tried to put something <laughs> else on. I was that's afraid. All <laughs> <laughs> um, the the players, the the striking players, come in. There's a bar fight, and they all end up in jail. And they all start singing and bonding over I Will Survive, which was used in the trailer constantly. <laughs> um, and this is, of course, the bonding moment that we all need for they're all going to play well now that they bonded in jail. But in all seriousness, Alana Jones singing I Will Survive uh, is great. And yeah, this whole, I mean, this movie's great. I feel like I'm, again, day after tomorrowing it and being so negative on it, but it's enjoyable. So there you go. Half the movie covered for you, Colin. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I want to talk quickly about the soundtrack before I get into the movie, uh, aside from just Amanda Marshall ride, which is a great song. And I, I will send you an Amanda Marshall video and I will win you over by the so time you say you know, you'd send me Amanda week. Marshall. I, I <laughs> you send me Amanda Marshall. I'll be a happy man. You send uh, me the cheerleader the calendar. I will send you Amanda <laughs> Marshall. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Can I just say when I type in Amanda um, in Google, the first thing that comes up on my search is treat Amanda beat. <laughs> <laughs> oh god yeah you can have amanda marshall i'm um yeah yeah i'm not partial to amanda All marshall right. <laughs> <laughs> uh the first song that plays in the opening of this movie is ziploc by the band lit they had uh a hit around this time called my own worst enemy uh, that was really big, but I actually really prefer this song. I actually used to own this CD. Uh, the other funny thing about this soundtrack is uh, I don't remember much, but I remember when this movie came out, the DVD Howard Deutsch had, <laughs> um, he had a commentary on there. And I remember nothing else about the commentary except for him talking about the soundtrack. And he said that there are a lot of knockoff songs in this movie, which are very noticeable. Uh, I think during the first training scene, um, you know, where uh, John Favreau's knocking Keanu's down. They're like, you know, red means stop or whatever. Uh, it's like a version of Aerosmith's same old song and dance. Uh, there's knockoff versions of Offsprings come out and play in this. Like every second Heroes, song is clearly a knockoff. <laughs> yeah, well, but I'm talking about like, yeah, there's a remake of that. But I'm talking about just an instrumental version that is clearly oh, supposed right, okay. to be Offspring come out and play. But they've changed it enough so that they're not getting sued. Uh, he said the reason for that was because they they knew doing a sports movie, they had to have certain songs in it. You're going to have to have the you know, Gary Glitter's Rock and Roll Part 2, the na 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 hey, yep. and like Unbelievable and all that. Um, uh, what I think uh, the Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch songs oh, in here too. Always but, a sports movie. Yeah, exactly. But they, he's like, there's certain prerequisites you needed certain songs we couldn't afford to have everything, but really, if you dig down to it, he also had a part in the commentary. Where I remember he went on for like 10 minutes talking about his love for the Rolling Stones. There are three Rolling Stones songs in this movie. Now, I don't buy this whole, oh, there were so many songs we just didn't have the money for it. You paid for three Rolling Stones songs, and I don't think you needed Rolling Stones songs in this movie. This was like the Howard Deutsch Vanity Project, where he's like, I love the Rolling Stones, so the Rolling Stones are going to make up half the soundtrack. But that, well, that's sir, where all we the don't budget have money went, for the Colin. <laughs> that's a $50 it, million it, dollar budget. $40 million of it went to pay yeah, Mick Jagger. There is a knockoff version of Blink-182's All the Small Things in this movie. They couldn't afford in the year 2000 to pay for Blink-182, but they could afford three songs from the Rolling Stones. I dare you to tell me what Rolling Stones songs are in this movie. Well, I, I dare <laughs> I mean, you to it's... tell me how this movie cost $50 million. Like, what did they spend it on? <laughs> $25 million on three Rolling Stones songs. I That's really think right they there. did, because like, I honestly did not believe when I just read this cost $50 million to make. Like... What? Didn't Jurassic Park only cost $40 million? Didn't we go over this with a movie recently? 
And yeah, we, we talk about the, the great cast, you know, just talking about the cast too, but like John Favreau at the time this came out, he was still probably slightly more well-known as a filmmaker. Cause the movie that, uh, really broke through for him and Vince Vaughn was a movie Swingers. I don't know if you ever saw that in 96, I think uh, it was. I think I have, yeah. I mean, big cult movie, but it developed such a huge following so quickly that that's how Vince Vaughn got on everybody's radar. That's why Steven Spielberg cast him in The Lost World, because even the time Lost World came out, people didn't know Vince Vaughn. It was like, oh yeah, that's one of the two guys from Swingers. So John Favreau and Vince Vaughn were just friends. They wrote this script and John Favreau, I think uh, he didn't direct that one, but he later went on to direct other movies that they wrote together. And uh, he was sort of the guy from Swingers, but he was still trying to break in as a filmmaker, you know, and I think he would have uh, Elf come out like a few years after this. And I think that he had Zathura around the same time or maybe a little bit after. But yeah, John Favreau as well around this. I don't know how he played UFC fighter, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Pete Becker. He was Monica's uh, boyfriend. It was. Yeah, it would have been before 2000 because that was kind of when UFC wasn't even a thing. Like, I remember actually back then, like, that's a real sport. And now, obviously, it clearly is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't, I, I, like, no, no offense to any UFC fighters out there. You'll kick my ass. Like, it's a real sport. It's a real sport. <laughs> you were in a, It's not WWE, which is also real. Don't <laughs> hurt me. <laughs> not like the NFL. But the NFL is real, too, okay? <laughs> it's like a man Just leave pee. us alone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't care if she hurts me. <laughs> But, um, yeah, like, John Favreau was sort of well-known, but, like, not a huge deal. So even the cast didn't cost that much money. But, I mean, yeah, I'm not knocking the movie. I'm just saying they clearly spent all their budget on three Rolling Stone songs, which is just crazy. <laughs> um, I-, I love John Favreau's introduction, which if we watched this movie three weeks ago, it would have seemed okay. But now I'm just looking at it thinking police brutality because he's going in there literally drowning a man in boiling water. <laughs> and he's on a SWAT team. It's just, it doesn't seem right anymore. Screw you 2020 uh, for ruining another movie by making it uh, topical. Coronavirus, don't police take, brutality. Don't take the replacements from us, people. We need this. If you take um, Rene Russo <laughs> month away from us in the coming weeks... <laughs> So help me God, 2020. Imagine, like we're we're lucky we're recording this week to week now. We're not like six months out like we were recording last year. Because if Rene Russo just happens to, I don't know, say something racist or <laughs> me too, anything terrible <laughs> by the time that Rene Russo month happens, like we're not canceling it. It's happening no matter what. Well, let's be honest. No question. The one time we canceled a month, we were about to do Kevin Spacey month and things turned awkward. <laughs> Like, we were just, we were there, we were getting started, then allegations occurred, and we usually don't give a shit, but we gave a shit that time, so, yeah. True story, people. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, his thing with throwing the football, I don't think it's that he hates football. He he was so disappointed and hated his career, because I think that's his trophy, the idea, probably, again, something that's not really explained in the movie, why is his trophy sitting at the bottom of the ocean, and how has it never moved in four years is another question, <laughs> it's just still there, this is right by his boat, uh, but uh, I think he was frustrated by that, I don't think they, they ever really say he hates football, it's just he was so disappointed, but I love every time the Sugar Bowl gets brought up, and I, I think it's when um, when the, the cheerleader, when Brooke Langton's bringing it up to him, and uh, he's didn't anything have didn't anybody in the country have anything better to do that day? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it, it, all the characters in this movie are so much fun. Like, uh, like you said, Keanu Reeves' cheesy introduction, the way that they all get their little intro, like Orlando Jones when he's just running up to the guy, to, hey, what's up, man? <laughs> 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 Can't catch the Twinkie and steps on it. 
I, I would like some of these other ones to get the introductions because we don't know. We just have Gene Hackman saying, oh, yeah, there's this guy, there's this guy. And then we get end up with a sumo wrestler on the team, and we don't know why. <laughs> I mean, you get his logic of, well, he can push people around. He's bound to be good in defensive football. But let's get, I don't know, 30 seconds to introduce the character, and it'll make a little bit more sense. Um well, what are the stuff we have here? Yeah, the cheerleader strike. We already covered that. <laughs> uh, so bizarre. Cheerleader uh, strike. There's some, there are some good, like, cliched lines in this movie, but there are good, like, I love when Gene Hackman, you think you're going to get into a big motivational speech. Like, you know what separates the winners from the losers? And then Keanu Reeves just gives oh. the score. Yeah. <laughs> Such a great line. What's that when he says at uh, one point when he's like, he says it twice. It's something like, oh, that's why girls don't play the game or something like that. It's like, yeah, oh. that's why girls don't play the game. <laughs> Which, again, doesn't hold his... up well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but is there, I mean, I'm sure that there is women's football. It's just, There's it's a still lingerie really league. Up. <laughs> yeah, true. Ben got the calendar for that one. <laughs> you know, seriously, there, there would surely be like, I mean, I know in Australia, there's a, in the last four or five years, there's been a women's Australian football league, which has kind of been a big thing. So hmm. I'm sure there are women's, football leagues in america somewhere i mean there are women singers women <laughs> motorists <laughs> there are women there are women but it is funny because every other sport like women's soccer became such a big deal in the last couple of years women's hockey huge deal now when is women's football going to become a thing i don't know and is brooke langton going to be playing <laughs> we'll have to wait and better see. than amanda pate <laughs> let's just have the Pete's versus the Langtons. <laughs> she, she'd, she'd probably play for someone like, I don't know, Detroit. Yeah. Or like Vancouver. <laughs> if Vancouver, Vancouver has Vancouver a team, football man, team. If, Van- if Vancouver gets. <laughs> Ooh, hey, we've got a football team. We're from Vancouver. <laughs> yeah. Football team. Amanda Pete's their mascot. Blue, blue 42, eh? <laughs> Sorry, I know the BC um, Lions are a thing, but it's a different sport, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I will say, even though Brooke Langton, she's not a. There's nothing wrong with her. She's just she's forgettable, and I think part of that is, as we've been saying, it just feels like it belongs in a different movie. She doesn't interact with anybody else. If there was a scene where she was there and and even talking to some of the other members of the team, but it just feels like it's a side plot yeah. that none of the other guys on this team even know about her existence. Whereas even the cheer, the other cheerleaders, they interact with more than one person. Uh, she's she's almost like an invisible character. Like I don't want to spoil Joker for everybody, but there is a character in Joker that you realize is kind of not real. <laughs> and I can make the argument that in maybe some twisted way, Brooke Langton's character is actually official. Why would there be a cheerleader leading a team when all the other cheerleaders are on strike? Why does she only talk to Keanu? Why does nobody else seem to see her? Why do Very all the true. other strippers get noticed? It's you. The only thing you get was John Madden saying, I think he's necking with that cheerleader. Like, there is one moment in this movie where anybody other than Keanu acknowledges it's, her existence. It's she may very well be an imaginary girlfriend. It's, she's the Bruce Willis of this movie. Spoiler alert. Yes. Bruce Willis is dead yes. in the sixth sense. Spoiler yes. alert. Keanu Reeves is and Haley Joel Osment. There we go. Finally, we've been able to say those words. Keanu Reeves John is Haley Joel people. The only reason John Madden knows she's there is because he can say, that's why the other guy's like, no, he's not necking that cheerleader. I just saw him. <laughs> <laughs> they, like, they both can see people. Whoopi Goldberg can speak to Patrick Swayze. Like, <laughs> Keanu Reeves can speak to Brooke Langdon. There you go. Add them all together. 
Um, I, I do want to talk about the scene. Like you said, we should mention it is um, – Does it? And I'm not saying it makes it better, but it is one uh, minority who's being racist towards another minority. The scene would definitely play a little bit worse if it was one of the white guys. I don't know if that's right or wrong, but <laughs> it's just a fact of life. It would play completely differently, and maybe it's excused. But I still love the scene because, as you mentioned, that's the butt cake scene. That's like Orlando Jones geeking out over everybody, which also, oh, going back to the bus, that. when they get there on the bus and everybody's egging the bus and breaking the windows, and they're all like ready to pick a fight, and you just have Orlando Jones snapping pictures and then jumping back when they throw things at his window. That's me. I'm Orlando Jones. Like I love that yes. bit later on when he's like, oh, excuse me, could I please get your autograph after the game? <laughs> That's <Yeah>. me. <laughs> I'd really love to get an autograph. But yeah, when they're all having the lunch after the practice and uh, the, the, the two things, one where he's, um, uh, yeah, no, it's the same scene, I think, but he has that line with uh, the, the 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 convict or whatever you want to call him, the, the, the prisoner. The real prisoner. Uh, where he's like, you know, uh, I, I heard that you didn't even, allegedly, <laughs> allegedly <laughs> did that. And then you get the awkwardness with John Favreau where he's like, I'm a cop. And Orlando Jones just looks completely fun. Look, one cake just runs away. <laughs> oh, that was going to be my opening line. I just wanted to have that so much. <laughs> I love Orlando Jones so much. This man is incredible. Line, like, we mentioned so many times on this, there's random lines we quote. My brother and I will still just out of nowhere just be like, look, Butt kick! <laughs> just leave the room. It's just something we do. It's, it's like um, in evolution when it's like, it's going up my leg, it's going up my leg. And it's like, it's going for the crotch. Take my leg, take my leg. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's just do Orlando Jones. And I just want to talk about Orlando Jones because he was known even after he, he had a good string of movies here. He did a movie called Liberty Heights, which is more of a drama that came out a year earlier this a big favorite movie of mine that launched the career of Adrian Brody and Ben Foster. I don't know if you know who Ben Foster is, but you should. If you look him up, you'll you know, recognize a lot of stuff he did. Uh, that's my name uh, once I get the, married to Mallory and I take her name and she doesn't take my right, name. You will be Ben Foster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, he had a small role in that. Uh, and I just remember, again, like he can steal any scene. And it's a scene where he's talking about, you know, my 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 people have been persecuted and or Adrian Brody and uh, Ben Foster are like Jewish. And they're basically saying, well, what about the Jews? They were slaves. And he's like, the Jews were not slaves. He goes, Who do you think built the pyramids? <laughs> Jones is like, well, well, how long ago was that? It's like, I don't know, a couple thousand years. Yeah, well, I'm talking my grandfather was a slave. OK. <laughs> Like, it's not even really a comedy, but he's just, he, he totally steals the movie. Uh, and But he got launched. I don't know if he was a comedian or, you know, did sketch comedy, who knows what. But he became famous off a series of 7-Up commercials. Did you ever see, see those? Uh, you told me about them last week, but I haven't seen them. Yeah. He was on, was, didn't you mention he was on um, Not Saturday Night Live, the other one? Was it in Living Color? Uh, Mad TV. No, that's right. Mad I remember. TV, yeah. I actually remember Which, him in Mad TV because I remember when I used to have uh, this comedy channel back when I got cable for the first time in Australia. Uh, Saturday Night Live and Mad TV. I think we're one on after the other. I used to love them. I thought they were hilarious. Yeah, and I never really got into. I was big on Saturday Night Live, but couldn't care for Mad TV. So I probably missed him on that. But the Seven Up commercials, you know, were really big. Like it seems like a one joke thing. He's saying the new slogan is "Make Seven Up Yours." 
But the way he's saying is make seven up yours and he's walking down people on the street and they're all looking at, up yours too, buddy. Like just getting angry at him. Uh, but it lasted for like a year, year and a half, new commercials all the time. And I just love those. So when I saw this movie, I'm like, it's a seven up yours guy. But his career really got derailed because he took on a starring role. And I think he is one of these great supporting actors. He did a movie called Double Take, uh, which I don't know if you ever saw it. It was two guys. It was kind of like an identity swap movie. And I remember being so excited because, like, Orlando Jones has a starring role. And I saw the movie. I'm like, wow, that was garbage <laughs> and not funny. And I just remember him dropping off the face of the planet after that. And now he slowly started to resurface the American Gods TV show. You know, he got a lot of uh, attention for that. I want him to come back. But I think he is a supporting actor. And maybe it's just not meant for leading. But, man, he is so good in this movie. Like, he really is the Sam Rockwell of this movie. Like, I'm not saying give him an Oscar, but – it's got to be close. If you're doing an Oscars just for comedy, like he's got to be up there for what he does in this movie. He so elevates the comedy in this movie above anybody else. And there are some hilarious people in this movie. A um, couple of small notes, uh, moments I just want to point out here. Uh, Bateman with the tripwire again. Some of this, I don't think it's a joke that you really get the first time you see it because it's so not noticeable. There's a tripwire, but I guess it's supposed to be that the real players have set up a tripwire so that these guys trip when they come out for their first game. You really have to watch them multiple times to get that that's supposed to be the joke. But just the fact that Bateman, the John Favreau is the first one who flies out of here and basically ends up tackling six cheerleaders to the ground. <laughs> what I think is best about that is that you could imagine that there's no tripwire there. And that's just what Bateman did. That's why I think it doesn't matter that you don't get the joke the first time. That's a Bateman thing. Like he's the guy who's going to tackle cheerleaders. It almost makes it funnier that way. Uh, and then the uh, the end zone, like you said, the club. I think this is actually a thing. Because I'm pretty sure the Bombers have one of these. It's like a bar that's on the stadium grounds, but it is meant only for the players. So it's not even like fans can go in there. You have to be a player or be invited by a player, and it's just where they go after the game. And I love that in the, the first scene here is just not even the whole team. It's a couple of the players, and later on you see they've all brought a bunch of people in there. Uh, but that must be a real football thing because I know I've seen something like that around the Bomber Stadium as well. Uh, but yeah, this fight scene's great, uh, you know, with the, the guys coming in and then, uh, the, the slightly sensitive comment is like, what he's deaf. It doesn't matter. He can't hear my insults or whatever. <laughs> uh, and then the, just the way that they, they set it up where, you know, uh, D Bateman, you remember what I told you about red shirts? Yeah. Ignore it. And it just tackles them to the ground. The, the minister guy in that scene where everybody has erupted into this fight and he's just going, we're all God's children. Yeah. We're all God's children. <laughs> and I then like he him. Underrated character that I actually like. Yeah. And he gets one of the hero moments in the movie, but I, I agree. Like give us a little bit more background on him. It'll be more effective. But I just love that moment. And just Orlando Jones hiding behind the jukebox, yeah. which comes up later in the prison scene where he was like, yeah, we really showed him. Tonight. Like, oh, you were the man Clifford Franklin. <laughs> it's like, what? It's like you were cowering in the corner the whole night. And that's when he breaks in the hole. Yeah, at first I admit I was afraid. Yeah, I was petrified. <laughs> They're thinking, seriously, you were petrified? Thinking I could never live without you by my side. <laughs> this is so... where um, another one of the ones where I always uh, quote, which I did at the opening of the movie back in the the bar scene where he he does the the deep voice. At first I was afraid, and then he goes like really happy. I was petrified. <laughs> 
but then when he's quoting it and then just breaks of the song like i don't there's something about big song dance numbers in movies that shouldn't have it that works and i want to give credit to the replacements here i'm not saying remember the titans stole it but remember the titans came out after the replacements and they are two sports movies that revolved around the teams dancing in the end zone as part of their routine and this movie came out first and it doesn't get the everybody knows remember the titans for that now granted Remember the Titans, true story, real team actually did that. But replacements came out first. Let's give the attention back to the replacements here. Uh, <laughs> one more subtly hilarious moment as the whole team's breaking out singing. Uh, a couple of them, Reese Iphens rubbing his nipples yeah. instead of dancing. <laughs> I love Reese <laughs> Iphens. Ole, 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 ole. Let's play football, bitch. <laughs> and then, um, uh, as I mentioned, which you totally didn't, didn't pick up when we... Before we went on the air, was a because <laughs> you didn't do a very good music. job of it. If you ask me, honest. Oh, sorry, thought I was I a whole day T and T or something. <laughs> the instrumental part of I will survive, <laughs> uh, but at the end when uh, Gene Hackman comes down right before he just rings them all out. Uh, and then compliments them where the team slowly stops dancing. And then you have Orlando Jones, he keeps going and he's like, Franklin, Franklin, stop. And then you look and the deaf guy is because he can't hear. He's still in the background yeah. for like 10, 20 seconds, still dancing <laughs> away. <laughs> just quietly stops. Such a suddenly funny moment. I love that. I love um, the two moments I really like with the deaf dude with um, when he's getting bagged out there by Martel and he like calls him an asshole. And the way Keanu Reeves is translated, you asshole and he puts his <laughs> finger in his like fist um, yeah and the one later on with the um the cheerleader when he's all living like oh, oh yeah. you've got really pretty hair and she's just basically like come out the back i'll give you a blowjob and it's like oh okay i uh, did not get that until i was well into my 20s you, did. <laughs> you didn't even know that was a thing you only learned that the other week and then jamie's like oh i'll do it uh, <laughs> that seems disgusting jamie who would do that <laughs> I'm like, I wish it was subtitled. I want to know what she's saying to him. <laughs> it's like, as we always seem to bring up at some point, that scene in Forrest Gump that we never understood until yeah. we were an adult. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, I this You've always got to have in a sports team movie where they all don't get along and they start off losing, you've always got to have the moment where they all bond and get together. I mean... Take a pick of any sports movie, there's always that scene. But there is just something memorable about this. And again, it's kind of bit just basic and cliche and doesn't really make sense. But who cares? It's Atlanta Jones singing I Will it's Survive. It's what people know this movie for. Like yeah. you said, oh, it's the Canary football movie. But if you ask somebody, do you remember anything about the replacements? They're well, going to say, I will survive. My dad does it all the time. Legitimately, mm-hmm. this is he will always say that. Like, as I said, if you want to watch a movie, at first I was afraid. I was petrified. Like, that's all he like will definitely like quote from it. And one thing, too, that I think it's important to point out, everyone in this movie has great chemistry with each other. I mean, Twister always seems to be the one I fall back on here that we talked about that, like, say, the dialogue's maybe not that fantastic, it's kind of weak, but at the end of the day, the cast make it work because it is, they're so good together. And I think everybody here, like, looks like they're legitimately having a good time in this prison cell (laughs) dancing. You know, it's kind of, it's, you believe the team chemistry is here, essentially. Can I throw in there, again, uh, we say Brooke Langton's just like, oh, she's, she's there. But I'm going to argue she has better chemistry with Keanu Reeves than Keanu Reeves has with her. And I think that's just Keanu Reeves' style. Like, there's a couple actresses. 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> but there are a couple actresses that Keanu Reeves, you just get he really clicks with. And funny enough, it's the ones where he's done multiple movies with. Sandra Bullock, Charlize Theron. He has a really great chemistry with those two actresses. But really, Carrie Ann Moss and The Matrix, they do not have chemistry. No. And <laughs> Thank you for saying like that. He, he has, has more, more chemistry chem- with Lawrence Fishburne in that movie. That's what I was going to say. The funny <laughs> thing is Keanu Reeves is one of these guys, and maybe this kind of goes back to those rumors that people had about him in the 90s, which really just came down to him being a private guy. He has such great chemistry with his male co-stars, like Alex Winter and Bill and Ted, you know, Dennis Hopper, Jeff Daniels in Speed, right? Uh, Patrick Swayze in Point Break, that you almost forget that, you know, he's – supposed to be a leading man with a leading lady. I think what really helps in this movie, because he seems like you said Brooke Langton is way more interested in him than he is of her. That's true. And I think that's partly because I kind of buy when I watch her that she really wants to bone him. And she's I kind of buy that he's like, yeah, you know what? I'll give it a whirl. Whereas she's like, oh, I'm want you now. Like you really believe her. And it's probably just not acting. It's just it's her not. like, hey, this is Keanu Reeves. Who would act in pretty- front of Keanu Reeves? Like, come on. That's- we'll exactly. That I mean, they- Jamie so identifies with her. She's like, ah, that would be me. <laughs> yep, yep. And let's be honest, Keanu Reeves is such a nice guy. He'd probably just go along with it and he'd probably sleep with you no matter what. It doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. Just, Look, I don't, I mean, I'm not into you. I'm not attracted to you, but you're a ni- I'm a nice person. Why not? That's what he did with Jeff Daniels. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there is actually, isn't there a, um, was it one of the Honest Trailers or the Everything Wrong With where they basically talked about there being a rumor or something that, uh, in the Matrix, Morpheus and Neo are meant to be a thing. It's kind of like how people fished <laughs> Finn and Poe. Like it was kind of like, oh, yeah, you know, it's actually Morpheus and Neo, which I'd be fine with. That would be fine by me, you know, because I'm better chemistry than him in Trinity. I have nothing against Carrie Ann Moss. I've probably only seen the Matrix. I don't know if I've seen anything else with her in it, but she's not my favorite thing about the Matrix. Um, hey, you know? I mean. She's Canadian, and I don't feel I need to defend her. <laughs> if, if I ranked the characters from The Matrix, she'd probably be seventh, eighth? Top ten? <laughs> Top ten? <laughs> um, I, I like Agent Smith better than I like. I mean, who doesn't? Um, Hugo Weaving. The French guy's better than her. Iconic Australian, Hugo Weaving. Um, oh, his, yeah. His niece is very attractive, Samara Weaving. Hmm. Um, anyway. Uh... <laughs> In what movie coming up? Uh, Have you oh. looked that up? She, she, yes, I did. I noticed she's in something coming. I know she's in that new Ryan Murphy show, Hollywood, whatever it is. I haven't watched yet, but she, what, what movie is she in coming up? Refresh my memory. Uh, a, a little movie with Keanu Reeves, Bill and Ted face the music. Oh, I didn't know she was in that. Okay. I'm thinking of something else. I yep. thought she was in some other movie that's coming out. What was she in that we watched that, uh, wasn't she in three billboards, Ebbing, Missouri? Was she? Oh yeah, she was. Yeah, you're right. Oh. I'm looking at right now. Samara Weaver. But yeah, she will be playing Bill's daughter in Bill and Ted Face the Music and not Keanu's daughter, which would be weird. So you're saying she's got a chance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mr. You know Anderson, we- meet my niece. All these years that people have wanted Neo to have sex with a weaving, <laughs> you might see it. <laughs> Just won't be the one you're expecting. There would be fan fiction out there, Colin. We found that during uh, 2001 A Space. There would be Agent Smith Neo fan fiction. I do not doubt it. Uh, <laughs> bookmark this note. We will remember it when we eventually cover The Matrix because we have. We will one day, no doubt. Um, I'm going to really skim through a lot of this movie next because, <laughs> I mean, again, it's not that I'm trying to get rid of it. I just think kind of a lot of its football scenes and we're not going to go over the subtleties of it. Um, Falco's on a boat and 
flirting and again I don't get the mixed signals here like I don't know football players but she's always rocking up and flirting with him because he's got a bruise and a scar and I do like the bit when she says something like what what does he say like oh you heard about the fight she's like oh everyone's in town's talking about it can we just establish that if replacement players who were replacing star footballers got into a bar fight and half of them went to jail this would be like 24-7 breaking news like, if the replacement Toronto Maple Leafs got into a fight with the real Toronto Maple Leafs, this would be a big story. So I just love how they brush but, it off. Well, I think it's supposed to be that it was buried, and that's why they even say, why are we in here and they're not? And he goes, well, because they get paid $5 million a year or whatever. They just sort of made sure that it didn't make the news. I don't know. Mm, maybe. Maybe the owner guy of the Washington Sentinels is owns the media in Washington. And one thing, actually, this is this the first movie you've ever seen set in Washington, D.C., where you don't have a generic shot of, like, the White House or the Capitol building? Yeah. Or, like, it's, it, I, I know it wasn't actually filmed in D.C. It was filmed in Baltimore, which is very close by. It's, you know, just down the road, essentially. But, um, yeah, it's odd that this is the Washington, set in Washington, and you don't see the cliche shots. It's like, oh, let's have a movie in New York, but you're not going to see the Empire State Building or something like that. Um. I do like this moment when like he goes to park the car again and it's like, oh, I'm not in your spot. I'm like, no, but you're in blah, blah, blah spot. So they flip the car again and then the other guys come in and just start shooting the car up. Yeah. <laughs> and I love it when they go into the meeting next and the trainer guy's like, and that is why none of us can have firearms. <laughs> so anybody? If you have firearms, you will turn them in before the end of the day. <laughs> anybody? No? All right. This is where we get the fear moment. Like, what do you all oh. fear? You sounded very weirdly excited there, Colin, or did you no, just need a tissue? No, this is my tissue? favorite scene in the whole movie. I love this so much. <laughs> it's like, what's something that that makes you scared? <laughs> a chance. Well, I hate spiders, coach. <laughs> I'm scared of spiders, coach. <laughs> and I love when one of the twins or the brothers is kind of like, yeah, they're claw- crawling up your arm, and they just yeah. <laughs> going on. And it's like, only has like, a worse when they're crawling. Than- yeah, there's- no, no, I'm talking about what's your fear on the field. What do you mean, like spiders on the field, coach? <laughs> and who is it that says like, like bees? It's like, yeah, can we bees. stop talking about creepy crawlies? <laughs> do it. Does anybody have fears that do not involve insects? <laughs> I also love the fact that one of the brothers has like a bandage on his head, and it's got the word "ouch" written on it. Did you notice? Yeah. That? <laughs> love that that is so funny but yeah like maybe i don't love this scene as much as you do but it is a funny scene like well i hate spiders coach there's something about like big tough athletes being scared of spiders which kind of like i hate spiders and like you people in north america cannot be afraid of spiders when your spiders are like the size of a penny Right, come to Australia, then you will be know why you need to be scared of spiders. The one thing I do love about spiders in your country and any part of this continent is when I hear the words from Mallory saying, "Ah, there's a big spider, help!" I will gladly go and kill it because a big spider here is not a big spider. All right, <laughs> not big, not big. That's like me saying, "Ah, there's a bear in Australia." Like, there's no bears in Australia because koalas aren't bears. But here, if I hear the words, "Ah, there's a bear," I'm gonna be scared. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, there's a geese. cougar in Australia. It's an attractive older woman. In in Canada, <laughs> it's something that's going to kill you. So, um, mind you, an attractive older woman could also kill you. But hey, I don't know any of them. I don't know where I was going with that point. Anyway, um, so this is kind of you mentioned before about how you think Gene Hackman's going to go into a like a cliche speech. Have to say, for a fairly cliche sports movie, there's not really that cliche speech kind of from yeah. county reeves and it's kind of played off as a joke but 
This maybe is the closest we get because they're kind of like, you know, your fear is, what, what does Keanu Reeves say about quicksand when you're kind of stuck yeah. in the moment and all that sort of stuff. And this is, again, going back to my point about you, you, you're meant to feel emotional for these guys because, like, this is their second chance. They never had this opportunity before. But uh, the one thing I will say, and you kind of alluded to it before, is who's to say that Shane Falco doesn't get picked up the following year yeah, in the NFL? because he he's Like, he, yeah, exactly. And a bunch of these players have proven their worth on the professional stage, particularly beating a full-strength Dallas. So, in all fairness, they're probably going to get a second chance. Like, they're going to get another shot at this properly the year after. So, yeah, it doesn't really, you know, I think achieve what it's meant to achieve here. Uh, so, this is the game against San Diego. This is where we get the um, the slutty cheerleader dance, which I enjoy. Um, I do like, I like the coach of San Diego. Like, come on, Red, slapping her ass. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. Um, but Washington win. Hooray. Uh, Reese Iphens gets his long kick. Hooray. He's smoking on the field. <laughs> okay. Um, we also then find out that Brooke Langdon's bar has got these two horny drunk men. There's a, guy on tv getting interviewed about like yeah i can't wait i love the sentinels again really after one game that they won and like even if let's say you watch that one game are you going to be paying to see these guys knowing that the previous game was a disaster yeah and they're 50 percent sucking at this point and let's be honest the sports media is not going to be covering like wow washington are winning it's okay this is bring it back to the mighty ducks again what makes the mighty ducks work is that they start off, they're literally getting thrashed like 10 nil. Yeah. They are hopeless. They can't win at all. And then you kind of bring in this montage of the season where they start winning, they start gelling together, and then all of a sudden it's a case of, well, hey, we've won enough games now that we need one more win, we're in the playoffs. We even get that scene when Bombay's like, we can make the playoffs? Like, it's kind of like, what? Mm. And here's another weird context to bring in one of my favourite movies, Eddie. Like, that whole movie basically starts off with the Knicks sucking. So essentially, hey, let's replace our coach with a fan in the stands. But you have a montage of them slowly starting to win, and it ends with, hey, one more win and we're in the playoffs. This is where I don't think this works, that, that you've only got three or four games to get them into the playoffs, because I'm assuming that the media would be going, okay, you know, sure, we're going to win these three games, but it's just backup players against backup players. All that matters is is that our pro team is going to be back in the playoffs to give us a chance. So, like, that to me is where I think kind of you lose some of what this movie's trying to sell. Well, also, let's not forget, if this were the NHL or the NBA where they play 80 games a season, yeah, maybe you could say you win three out of your last four games and you're in the playoffs. There's what? 16, 18 games in the NFL. Yeah, they play once a week. What are the odds that they could be guaranteed three out of four wins here in the playoffs? This is all dependent on what the other 20-whatever teams win and lose in those three or four games too. Like, you can't just say three out of four wins and win the playoffs. Three out of four wins if this team and this team and this team lose three out of four. If this one wins one, like there's so many different variables. It's not just that simple. Yeah, you're right. That's very specific. Like, if you say... Make it they only need one more win out of four games. And then that, because, like, again, yeah. that would make sense. That's a, that's a plausible outcome. But, yeah, you're right. Three out of four games is very specific because it's not like you need to get to 20 points to make the playoffs. Like, you could win, you know, 10 out of 15 games and not make the playoffs because it could just be a, a quirky season where everybody wins more games. Or you could win five out of 15 games and make the playoffs because everyone is just, you know, it's like it's not... Mm-hmm. 
it's not guaranteed. So yeah, you're right. I I know I don't know if I'm a fan of this moment here where they kind of Keanu Reeves goes in for the kiss and it's kind of commentated over by John Madden uh, with Sting playing. I like Sting, but the police. You know what I like about that scene though? I remember watching this. I, multiple times watching this movie and you always feel like you want to groan because this is that cliched moment in the movie and you're like, come on, let's just get some jokes going. Let's get some football going. I don't want to see this slow romance storyline moving in for the kiss. And then you have the commentary playing and I don't even remember, maybe it was in the, the commentary of a DVD that I heard years ago, but it almost feels like they edited this movie together and like, you know, this scene just plays so, so, uh, so cliched and boring. Was in the Why trailer. don't we just make a joke of it? Yeah, but but like it feels to me almost like they see, saved what could have been a really cheesy scene by throwing a joke in there that you just wouldn't expect. My dad loved this scene. I remember he always laughed a lot at this scene for whatever reason. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, well, because it, yeah. it ends in, he scores, like right at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Can we just say, stop trying to make um, every breath you take a romantic song. The song is fucking creepy as, folks. It's about a guy yeah. stalking <laughs> someone. <Just kidding. laughs> it's like, You're Beautiful by James Blunt is not a romantic song. Stop trying to make it a romantic song. And can I also just say, every time I hear calls to defund the police, I think, poor Sting. Like, what did he ever do wrong? So, <laughs> glad you got that joke. <laughs> <laughs> Topical humor by Ben Waterworth. Ha 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 ha. Um, so their only away game that they play. Lucky for Washington, three of their last four games were at home. What are the odds? Uh, and the only one they lose is the away. And they're at Phoenix, are they not? Um, which basically this all borders down to them making a very illegal play and getting away with it. Now, <laughs> Clifford Orlando Jones cannot catch the ball. Right. So somehow this comes into play now. He drops the ball. So, okay, the only way we're going to allow you to catch the ball is by putting, like, sticky stuff on your hands. And I love it when they're like, Coach, isn't this illegal? It's like, what are they going to do? Put you in football jail? Um, They're going to disqualify you from the NFL? Um, Does anyone remember Deflategate and things like this? I don't know what happened in Deflategate, but I heard about it, and I know it was controversial, and they were doing something with the ball, apparently, the Patriots. This is literally, like... This is the same to using drugs in, like, cycling. Like, yeah. it's illegal. You are literally giving yourself assistance to catch a ball, one of the key components in American football, and they get away with it. Like, <laughs> I don't know why I'm so angry. But, like, they, they celebrate this like it's, you know, people go off at, like, Space Jam because, like, oh, Space Jam's stupid because, like, you have Elmer Fudd shooting a monster. That's not realistic. That should be a foul. It's the Fucking Looney Tunes playing basketball against aliens. Okay? Put your mind away. This is semi-realistic. <laughs> and you have a player illegally... Ugh, why am I getting so mad at this scene? Anyway, um, hooray, Washington win. They're only one win away from making the playoffs. Um, we get a great locker room. Maybe I'll just cover here at the locker room scene so there's enough to... Um, go at the end, but I do love this, like, Clifford Franklin doesn't even know what moves he's going to make. Clifford Franklin, like, just keeps referring to himself in the third person. And I love Reese Ivans going around, flashing his dick to everyone. <laughs> ole, 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 ole. And then I love it when he, like, goes to the reporter and says something like, how you going there, Lord? Cheers, babe. Cheers, babe. And it's like, I think we got it. <laughs> I 
<laughs> I swear Reese Ivins would be like the funnest person to hang around with sometimes. Like, could you imagine <laughs> being on the set of this movie and getting to hang out with him, Orlando Jones, Keanu oh. Reeves, John Favreau? Oh, it'd be so much fun. But, um, well, maybe, okay, I'll cap it maybe at the owner here, basically telling Gene Hackman that um, Martell's crossed the line. He says somebody else crosses the line too, and we never hear yeah. about that person. Um, yeah. <laughs> and he's basically like, good news, like he's coming back. And then Gene Hackman's like, no, I want Falco. Like, okay, I get what you're trying to do. Like, screw Martel because he's like a money-rich, greedy guy. But as we find out, he is supposedly the best quarterback in the league, mm. right? So the arguably the best player in the competition. And he's willing to come back. For some reason, he's crossing the picket line. That's never explained because he continues to still be a douche. Um <laughs> And essentially, we also find out in about 10 minutes that all the players are going to be coming back and playing for the playoffs anyway. So it's like, who cares? Gene Hackman's out of the job no matter what. Why would you fight this? Like, I get it. Oh, Keanu knows his guys. He's going to have heart and he won't work. But again, if the Pittsburgh Penguins are playing the minor league team and all of a sudden Sidney Crosby decides to come back, are you really going to go, no, Colin Hilding has heart. We don't want yeah. Sidney Crosby playing for us. Like, I'm with the owner here. The owner is 100% correct. He wants his team to guarantee a spot in the players, particularly when they say Dallas are essentially at full strength. So mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Gene Hackman. Boo fucking who? You're wrong. And, like, almost manipulation of the audience that we're supposed to feel like when the game does start and Martell sucks for the first half. It's like, see, they should have gone with Hart. Did this movie not start by saying that Shane Falco had the single worst game in the history of football with the Sugar Bowl? Yeah. So if if this is supposed to be a story like, well, you can redeem yourself from a bad game, could he not have redeemed himself in the second half? Again, why are you going to take chances when, when everything's on the line here. And yeah, he's like, you know what? I want this team to get their shot. If, if they had built something into this where it's like at least one of you guys could have a shot at a real career. Or if it, you make it Shane. Shane, I think you have a future. Shane himself says in this movie, I mean, the, the entire scene that's about to come up is him saying, oh, yeah, I know I'm done after this. But that's why it's not so effective because the audience doesn't care. Like it, It's literally just, you know what? Screw the team. Screw the franchise. Screw the millions of dollars that have been invested in this. Uh, we're all gone tomorrow anyways. Let's just have some fun and try to beat these guys. Make it that you you have to do this because Shane's the one guy who has a shot at getting back. And if you let Martell in, Shane will never get noticed. Martell will have his day no matter what. You need Shane. That's not part of the and, movie. And then what doesn't work is, again, let's compare this to the Mighty Ducks because apparently that's a more realistic sports movie. But, like, think about the Adam Banks character, right? He's on the team that we're all meant to hate. We're meant to hate everyone on the Hawks. And then when we find out he can play for the Ducks, what do the Ducks do? They hate him because he's a Hawk. But we find out, no, he's actually a genuinely nice guy. He just wants to play hockey. He doesn't care. We get that in the third movie when he's so good, he gets to play for the seniors instead of the juniors. But because they're a bunch of douches, he doesn't give a shit and he wants to come back and play for the juniors again, doesn't he? So it's kind of like, don't make an asshole player from a team we're meant to hate come on the team and just mix it and all of a sudden, oh no, screw him, get him out of here. Why can't we have him be redeemed? Why can't we all of a sudden or just have somebody from the, the professionals say like, you know, like, I used to have heart. I used to be like, you don't lump me in with these assholes. Like, I don't know. It just doesn't make sense that you even bring him back into play. Because, again, as we're pointing out, the owner is correct here to do this. Yeah. <laughs> like, he is so correct to do this. So, I don't know. 
and you could have just made it. You know what, Martel, you haven't done so well. I think Shane will do better in the second half. Um, Major League, similar to this in a way in that Charlie Sheen's kind of the hero of the movie. And you have another pitcher who's not a douche, who's a, a regular guy, who they say, we're going to have you start the big game because he has a better record. And then at that last minute, Charlie Sheen has to come in and save the day, even though the other guy's given it his best shot. It's just, it really doesn't make sense to make him so hateable, Martel. Yeah. But, I mean, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more on the end. But um, Brett Cullen's so good at it, though. <laughs> you know? Oh, he's, he plays his character well. Uh, any character. He yeah. always his character. We've mentioned this, but no. Brett, exactly. Brett Cullen's Let's do Brett Cullen month. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Um, the two things I think people would most recently know him for would be Joker, because he played Bruce Wayne's dad, Thomas Wayne, in the... Yep. the and then in The Dark Knight Rises, he played the sleazy senator that... Uh, Catwoman basically seduces and then drugs for like three days. And he goes missing. <laughs> we we could get some good movies out of Brad Cullen month here, but uh, make it or break it. We could do the gymnast show that I liked. <laughs> Apollo thirteen. Yeah, I mean he's good in make it or break it and uh, Apollo thirteen. He's good in Apollo thirteen, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, he's he's literally he's just one of the guys on the ground that says, "When I go up on nineteen, I'm going to take my entire collection of Johnny Cash off." <laughs> you know, I think I think we could get Brett Cullen on this show. I think he seems oh, like a guy. It. We could get on the show. I'm just going to brettcullen.com. Here it is, the official <laughs> website for actor Brett Cullen. Oh, meet Brett. There's a little tab on his thing. Oh. There you go. Oh, there's even a poll, Colin. Quick, let's answer this. What's your favourite you Brett it. movie? Is it Apollo? The replacements. Thir- well, that's on there. It's Apollo 13, okay. The Hired Heart, The Replacements, or The Killing Jar. Oh, uh, it's tough. I mean, Apollo 13 is a better movie, but for a Brett Cullen movie, let's go Replacements. I've gone The Replacements. Oh, look, we were only third right. The favorite movie amongst <laughs> BrettCullen.com fans is The Hired Heart, 37%. Really? Yeah. Well, there's the first movie we're covering on Brett Cullen month. <laughs> yeah, and there's, oh, there's a Poles archive. You can see, oh, no, Error 404. I can't see what they are. Sorry, Brett Cullen fans. <laughs> We do have to get him on. Like, this would be a Joey Slotnick. Like, hey, you know, this guy's really great. Let's get and look, him on. Look at this. You've even got questions that we, like, he's he's interviewing himself on his website. It's got, <laughs> what does he prefer? Coke or Pepsi? Coke. Letterman or Leno? <laughs> Letterman. Books or magazine? Books. Bestsellers <laughs> or classics? Classics. Uh, see? It, it te- rocker or recliner? Recliner. There you go. Oh, Wonder Redskins Woman or Catwoman? Cowboys. Catwoman. <laughs> Redskins or Cowboys? Uh, 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 I'm going to say Redskins. Uh. Okay. <laughs> you better say that. Um, uh, just a couple things to add on here. One thing I forgot to talk about, Brick Langton. Uh, <laughs> I kept thinking to myself, I know I've seen her in something else and I couldn't picture it. So looking at her filmography, she was in Friday Night Lights, another sport. Apparently she's really good in sports movies, uh, or in this case, TV show. Cause she was in Friday Night Lights TV show. And, I still could not place who was she on Friday Night Lights. And then I looked it up and I'm like, oh, I definitely remember this. Uh, In the the first, I think, two seasons, she played a neighbor of um, Taylor Kitsch's character. Taylor Kitsch was in high school, uh, but she was the, you know, hot mom who lived next door, who had a young son that Taylor Kitsch was kind of a mentor to. And she had an affair with a teenage boy. Uh, And then the following season had an affair with his older brother. So um, she... (laughs) Not quite the nice cheerleader we get here. She had a much darker side in uh, Friday Night Lights, but she's at least done one other thing, both football-related. She must really love football. A um, couple of things that John Madden's got some great stuff in here, too, uh, where, where the uh, sumo wrestler guy, 
he catches the ball like by mistake and he runs to the end zone, like dragging everybody slowly. And then uh, during the the touchdown where John Madden's like, I love to see a fat guy score. And I was like, why? Because <laughs> then you get the fat guy dance and the fat guy celebration. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the fat guy Spike, yeah. Uh, you missed the best part of um, the uh, the what are they going to do? Put you in football jail scene with the glue on his hands or whatever. Oh, goes, the elephant oh, line. Like, yeah, it looks like it just jacked off an elephant. <laughs> and then let's just. The little things that Orlando Jones does that are so subtle, like where he's got the cup and he takes a sip of water, he's running on the field and he's trying to shake it off and it won't come off and Shane's trying to get the game going. And it's like, Franklin, what is it? I can't get his cup off my hands. He just rips it off. And then it's like, all right, everybody break. And he claps his hands and can't get it apart. (laughs) And then just the look on his face right before the hike where he just holds his hands like right. He's got wide eyes looking at his hands, dripping in elephant (laughs) semen basically. Man, he's just so good in this movie. I just love this guy. Um, another big plot hole in this movie. We already know that he can't catch. Okay, fine. Uh, he is the wide receiver, okay? <laughs> His entire job is to run as far away as you can get and catch the ball. They are in their third out of four games here near the end of the game. And when he's finally got the elephant semen on his hands and he catches the ball... John Madden's team was like, Franklin cut the ball. Franklin never catches the ball. You telling me that Gene Hackman kept this guy as his wide receiver for three games and he didn't make one <laughs> catch? Like, I don't buy that. <laughs> this is why you can't fall if they're like, hey, we got to get Martell and the other guys back on the team. Okay, fine. You had some lucky breaks. Like, isn't that also the point of this movie, the replacements that doesn't really ever properly get told? Is that they're lucky? You know, they win one game with skill and, and yeah. some, you know, improvising, but they cheat here. Yep. The away game that they win is completely a fluke. Even Falco says, yeah, it was it was a bad play. We got lucky. They're not good players. <laughs> and yeah. uh, one of my favorite uh, you know, underrated sports movies is a football movie called un- – uh, not Unnecessary. What's it called? Necessary, un- 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 unnecessary Roughness or Necessary Roughness. Um, not to use a TV show. <laughs> there was a TV show called Necessary Roughness that was different. But this was a movie with Scott Bakula uh, in oh. the early 90s. There's a where name he that hasn't been mentioned since the early 90s. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one of my other favorite childhood stars, Scott Bakula, Quantum Leap. But uh, – it was a movie where he played like a 40-year-old man who goes back to college or he gets drafted to go back to college because he's a football player. Uh, and it's supposed to be, oh, this old guy on a college football team. But what made the movie great is that they lose every single game except for the last game of the season. And I almost am with you. I think that the better way to tell the story would be – you guys don't have a shot, but yeah, they just they win every game, and it would be better if we saw them lose and they only had to win the one game in the end. Going back to Friday Night Lights, Friday Night Lights had five seasons. I think it made my top five favorite shows of all time, or at least top ten. Loved the show, and one of the reasons that show is so great is because it wasn't always about they're the number one team. We have to get in the playoffs. We have to win you know, the, the, the national championship, the state championship. They had a season of Friday Night Lights where literally their goal was, we need to win at least one game. This is really bad, guys. And I think this movie maybe would work better if they only had to win the one game. And Martell comes in and he can't do it because then that line that we're going to get coming up later would just – it would really have more impact. 
Uh, the scene though with the spiders on the field, like I love that scene. Just it's also just Orlando Jones' delivery is like his sincerity, where it's like I'm scared of spiders, coach. Uh, <laughs> but I'll disagree with you. I actually think that 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 is one of the really effective dramatic scenes of the movie. And it is like they don't go the cliched sports route. It is the whole quicksand thing and Keanu explaining, uh, you know, one thing goes wrong and then another, another. And the next thing you know, you're drowning like, like quicksand. And then they say, what is anybody else afraid of? And they all start saying it's like going back to the supermarket and then going back to this. And then you get the one guy, the, the, the prisoner who says jail. And everybody's just like, yeah, like that's one moment where I'm like, OK, this is their only shot. But again, this movie should be telling the story then of. We're going to get a second shot. Let's win so that we can get noticed and some of us have a second chance at a career. But then the movie just goes a different direction. But again, picking this apart, but still absolutely love it. Um, one, I think, to throw in that that great spiders on the field and bees uh, is where Shane says quicksand and it's all dramatic. And then Orlando Jones like, oh, yeah, quicksand's a scary mother, man. <laughs> it's like, first, he's like, it sucks you in. And then even if you scream, <laughs> I love him so much. I seriously just I'm so sad. He's not like this big deal. Like, it's just. Uh... And like his face when he's doing the Clifford Franklin's got moves even Clifford Franklin has a scene uh, and, <laughs> and what he's wearing he he like a mesh top thing mesh like- shirt yeah <laughs> and then he does like the his his arm like the big heroic pose and then John Favreau comes by and just shows him in the locker on national television <laughs> and another uh. thing from the scenes that you get missed in this movie is that the first scene when Franklin's introduced Gene Hackman says to him it's like listen you can't catch the ball but I want you to always have this ball in your hands. If you hold this ball when you eat, when you sleep, when you shower, when you when you have sex, like no matter what you do, you have to be holding this football. Then you will learn to catch the ball. And if you watch the movie, he always has a football in his hands. When they're eating lunch, he's holding a football. Mm. When he's dancing with the girl in the club, he's holding the football. He never loses it. But you lose that joke in the movie and it just sort of looks like, why is he holding a football all the time? But the, just the visual of him with this cocky look on his face and smiling, hey, hey, <laughs> he shoved in the locker. So good, like you said, also with the ole, ole, ole. <laughs> Cheers, babe. <laughs> it's, um, another yeah. thing that uh, we're, I, I'll, I'm going to steal stuff off the end here, but uh, I'll, I'll leave that. Uh, I was just going to say the scene with Reciphons and his bar. Okay, so is his bar in Washington? Because these guys find out. I thought this was supposed to be in Wales or something. And why but, are Welsh people so into American football? Yeah. Like, they're, are these guys there? Did they fly over from Wales? That's they a saw dumb, I, that's a, that, that with the love story, that I don't, I don't like that side plot. What the 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 thing with the the gamblers? Yeah, it's just it's odd because then like even at the end and just jumping ahead when all of a sudden he he can't do the kick because because like I'm guessing there was a deleted scene where they threaten him because clearly we hear them say in the bar like oh we'll get him exactly. to miss some kicks like clearly that's the scene because all of a sudden he knows by seeing them in the crowd it makes no sense. Yeah, it, it's missing from the movie and all you needed was the one scene. And the running time of this movie is around two hours and of course this is still the time period where you don't go over two hours like we talked about that on another episode recently that depending on where you went, a shift happened like in the year 2002 where suddenly movies could go over two hours. But at this point, two hours was a cutoff because it all had to do with how many show times a theater could fit in within a day. Um, and maybe they just had to cut this, but it, but it actually feels like it hurts the movie when you lose that plot 
because when he has that dramatic moment where he's like, they're going to take my pop. Like it's a, you could tell by his emotion. It was a very real scene and there was more to it, but you don't have that scene. You needed to see a scene where he lost a bet. And then these guys show up and it, save the surprise. Of, if you don't really get what they're alluding, it's all just sort of in the background. You don't even get it clearly stated that they want him to throw the game. Cause I remember even being confused the first time I saw it where I'm like, wait, so he broke his arm. Like I thought he was just afraid because they were going to beat him up after the game. I didn't realize yeah. it's supposed to be they want to throw this game. It's just it's kind of confusing. And then also too, uh, like even when he breaks his arm and kind of that, like, and he's like, "Thanks, you saved my life." So are these gamblers really just going to be like, "Oh well, it's okay, you didn't you know, throw the game." Isn't it worse if he doesn't throw the game? Because then they go like, "You didn't do it at all, so we're going to steal your bar anyway." Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the other thing. You know, uh, I was going to say we'll talk about it now. This doesn't end for him. This is like, what was that? Was it last week? Or there was a movie we covered recently where we said, yeah, you know, when this is over, somebody's going to jail. What what, what did we cover last week? Airplane? Uh, no, wasn't it when on it, 007 when we talked about Man from Hong Kong that just because oh, they've, it, they've so, killed George Lazenby, there's still other people who are going to come in that organization and do yeah, whatever yeah. George Lazenby was doing, supposedly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But like, it's, it's just weird because he misses the kick. Like these guys, now he's actually in more trouble because the only way that they're watching him from the stands and that this becomes a thing of, you can't let him kick the ball is if they were ordering him, you have to throw this game. So that means they were betting on them to lose. They just won the game. He's in even deeper now. Yeah, (laughs) And the only thing you could explain away is, okay, so he broke his arm. So is insurance going to pay now? Like, is he going to get insurance payout? But still, this is a guy who has a gambling problem, and there's no resolution for that character. Again, we're supposed to hate Martel because he wants more money, but he is the best player in the league, and he had a bad game. with the- Gene Hackman sets up at the beginning of this movie, or middle of the movie, is in that scene, the spider scene. It's like a team needs two things to succeed. They need to trust each other, and they need leadership. We've solved one of those problems. And he says, you can't do this in such a short period of time. Martel is playing with an all-new team. Why is he not given the same benefit of the doubt? Exactly. He has to, guys, they have to trust him. You can't just throw him in there and say, oh, well, he lost, you know? But it's just, there's so many things that just aren't explained in this movie. And just the fact that when this movie ends, I'm not feeling bad for Reciphons, you know? <laughs> I'm like, you, you're a terrible person. You just gambled away everything you had and you were willing. He was crying because he was going to do it. Keanu Reeves pulling the ball away means Reese was going to throw the game for him. He is the villain of the movie. (laughs) It's a good point. He really is. (laughs) Yeah. Bloody Welsh people. Um... Yeah, that's a, that's a very good point, actually. But, yeah, it's 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 one of those things, like, I know on Watch Mojo and those sort of channels, they do, you know, top ten movies that you don't realise uh, after the movie end really bad for certain characters. And this is one of those movies where all of a sudden it's like, well, hang on a minute, Reese Hyphens isn't, like, he's going to get bashed or his pub's still going to go. Like, put in a scene and where the other player. Yeah, well, let me put in a scene it. where you say, like, I don't know, like, it's, I mean, Suicide Squad gets ripped into all the time, right? Because, oh, it's a bad movie, but at least they kind of explain that this is it for them and they're going to go back to jail no matter what. So, like, kind of, you, you understand that a little bit. Whereas, I never thought in my life I'd be, you know, comparing Suicide Squad <laughs> to the replacements. But it's, it's like, and you also need to kind of, like, have some sort of line, I feel, because, like, are these guys getting money for being replacement players? Like, it's kind of. Yeah. Can they not put in a line where they say, like, well, for four games, we'll pay you $400,000? Yeah. And Reese Eiffens can be like, well, that will be enough to pay off my gambling debts. You know what I mean? Like, it's – I just – I feel like they, are they getting $50 a game? Are they on cheerleader salary? Like, I just <laughs> – 
Yeah. Oh, I, just, I feel so bad in, with these recaps when we love a movie and we just rip it to shreds. Um, one thing on brettcullen.com, uh, they do <laughs> exclusive interviews with Brett Cullen. How does that work? It's a Brett Cullen website. I don't think they really needed to go out of their way to get Brett Cullen to do an interview for brettcullen.com. That's like me having benwaterworth.com. Hi, Ben, would you do an interview about the Oz? No, no. <laughs> I will only be interviewed by Rob Has a Podcast. I will not be interviewed by my own website. Um, but he talks a lot about this movie. Like, he, he seems to be very keen about talking about uh, the replacements. But I, I, I appreciate here um, when he goes into closing remarks. To me, the film itself was really good. I adore Howie Deutsch. I think he's a wonderful director and I would love to work with him again. He's also a very good friend who's given me opportunities and I'm very thankful for. He's a cool guy. Keanu was a great guy. I really like Keanu Reeves. He's a very special man and a very smart guy, which I don't think most people give him credit for. It was a wonderful experience. So there you go. <laughs> That's what he says at the end. So there you go. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, and apparently, like, there's, a, there's a bit here where it says, uh, where is it? It's something about, uh, oh, what was your take on the alluded to relationship between Martel and Annabelle, the cheerleader? Was this alluded I, to? And then it says there was a yeah. scene that got cut out of the movie where we alluded to a past relationship. So Okay, I was wondering about that because – there's a weird moment. Like, first of all, you can go back and say the thing. Oh, the thing with quarterbacks, right? Maybe that's the thing with with football players or whatever. But it's mentioned nowhere else in the movie. And then there's one random line when Keanu's leaving the team and he's coming in and he's like, you know, it's it's terrible what they do to you guys. And then as he's leaving, he says she deserves better. Yeah, don't drag her down with that's the sinking a ship. Weird moment. I never understood if they were referring to that or if he was referring to the team as a she, but. I, um, let's get him on the show so we can find out what this deleted scene was. I but like even like I've always assumed that he meant like the the Annabelle like cheerleader, but yeah, because like, then we kind but of there's got nothing this, in the movie. Well, because then we have got this scene though where Keanu like just leaves her, like doesn't show up for a date, and then the next day when he rocks up on the field, it's all forgiven. Like it's just it's just this odd little side plot of like yeah, huh? Like <laughs> she's she's not real. She's dead. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> That's very true. Um, they're all celebrating at a bar. Uh, shirtless Orlando Jones. I don't know if uh, Jamie appreciated that. And I mean, I guess we kind of get the uh, the one stirring moment of the movie. I'll say I do like here is when you know Keanu tells Reese Ifans like, "Oh, I'm not going to be your your captain tomorrow or whatever." And then kind of, you know, they're like, oh, you know, to the best damn leader, to this and all that sort of stuff. That's kind of, a you know, a nice moment. Mm-hmm. I do also like Reese Ivins. <laughs> Can we just point out too, uh, in 2020, the day and age of, you know, heightened awareness around sexual harassment and, you know, a lot more than we had in 2000, that he's at a bar with women going, ole, 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 and flashes his penis to them. <laughs> now, I'm not even saying that was appropriate in the year 2000. <laughs> <laughs> but somehow these women love it. Uh, so maybe there's and something And then John Favreau tackles them and puts them in a chokehold. Yeah. Oh, was that... Was it, is this the final game or the game beforehand when they're celebrating? I think, no, it would be the second last game because obviously he's got a broken arm in the final game when like, John Favreau's trying to chase after him to give him a hug or something like that. Reese Ivins is running around the field like going, ah! Uh, that's funny. Uh, so, yeah, don't go see her. Let her go. Cool. Martel's back the next day. They apparently suck now because, I mean, it's a valid point you make. Like, if you 
rocked up right now and you change teams, Mighty Ducks, Adam Banks, again, didn't gel yeah. with the players straight away, did he? Because you've got to take time to gel. What is the whole half of the first half of this movie is about these players bonding before they can play well together. And yet somehow you expect this guy to bond with them like straight away. Like it just, oh, mm. it's weird. Um, long story short, long story short, I'm saying that now apparently. Uh, actually, and also too, why are the Washington Sentinel fans booing their star All-American two-time Super Bowl mm. winning quarterback because they want washed up reject Falco who's only won them two games? Now, if they're in a position to only need three more wins to make the playoffs. It's not like they've only won one game and the team sucked beforehand. They were obviously in a solid position before the strike to be within a shot of making the playoffs. Clearly something that Martell has helped them. Clearly an All-American star quarterback. And they're booing him and wanting Falco back. Like, what? (laughs) What was the team that beat the Leafs with the Zamboni driver recently? Oh, yeah, what was that? Oh, I can't remember. You know what I'm talking about, right? But, like, he was obviously a yeah, replacement Yeah, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Okay. Yeah. Like, I get the story. It's a bit of fun. He's a Zamboni driver for the Leafs, and he beats the Leafs. He was, what, in his 30s or 40s, and he's making his debut. It's a great story. But I'm sure even the most adamant, let's just say it was the Buffalo Sabres. I don't know what team it was. I'm sure <laughs> that even the most adamant Buffalo Sabres fans who love that story aren't going to say, well, let's keep him in over our number one goalie who was injured at that point. Like, it's it's not called for. Like, I don't understand the Washington fans, stupid fans of Washington <laughs> that have won two championships recently with your baseball team and hockey team, but good for you. Um, so Falco comes back into the game. Is that even allowed in professional sport? Like, don't you have to name a team beforehand? Before the game. <laughs> like, yeah. Can you just all of us? Can the Maple Leafs all of a sudden go? Oh fuck, we suck at the end of the first period. Wayne Gretzky, come here, put on the Leafs yeah. jersey. You're you're <laughs> not starting for us. You're in our starting line. There you go. That's that's legal. I'm sure it is. Um, speaking of legal, the the Sentinels somehow get themselves like a 500 million yard penalty when drop kicking every single player, and this is allowed. <laughs> They're a dirty but team. They cheat. They are. They, they're constantly breaking the rules, hurting people. But it is great to have that referee moment where he's like, 15 yeah. yards or, wait, or 30, 45. Wait, how many yards again? <laughs> but I don't – what is the point of that scene? Is that meant to get them some, uh, you know, some, they're, I guess, momentum to, to knock them down a peg? Like, I don't understand it. It's a pissing contest. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> Uh, anyway, it leads us to the preacher. Early on in the movie, he said, all I want to do is score one touchdown. That's all I want. So he gets his touchdown, but then he blows his knee out. That's it. It's his hero moment. And the hero moment of the whole game is that basically the Sentinels come back and win. Reese Iphans chokes because he's afraid he's going to lose his bar. We've gone over that already. The the one inspirational speech, I do kind of like it, though. Uh, it's in the trailer pain. where he's, what does he say? He's like, oh, this pain is part heels. Pain heels, chicks dig scars, glory lives forever. That's it. Yeah. I do like it when he says, like, I'm not good one for... Again, it reminds me of Cool Runnings. Like, you know, um, give one for the Gipper or whatever it is. And he's like... Uh, what does he say? Like, hello, be my... Hello, bobsled, be thy name. Uh, <laughs> my, thy kingdom come, gold medals won. Um, anyway, but um, I do kind of like the uh, the ending with the we can be heroes just for one... Even though it's a bad cover version of that. Didn't we have a cover in Godzilla, which was a good cover of it and the then wallflowers and who's this cover this isn't bowie or the wallflowers this is 
somebody. It's Howard Deutsch. <laughs> it's Amanda Peet. Um, and, you know, and then we kind of get the little narration by Gene Hackman at the end when he's like, you know, they were only in it for three times. They didn't get another chance. This was their one shot. Again, calling bullshit. Shane Falcon is, is playing in the NFL the next year. Uh, yeah. And so are some of these other guys. Like, they've got a second chance. The preacher guy, if he's knee heals, he's probably going to get another game. Uh, surely if Reese Ifans is that good of a kick, they're not going to let him go. Like they'd put him up somewhere. Um, and then it, and Favreau is kind of like Bobby Boucher in the water boy. He can steam train people. Come on. Um, and then it ends with a bit of a dance in the end zone of them to, I will survive the end. That's the replacements. I, I, we covered the main things I wanted to talk about with, uh, the, the deleted subplot with, uh, the, Mar- uh, Martel and Annabelle love story or whatever it was supposed to be. Uh, and then the the kick, the <laughs> uh, gambling debt, whatever it is. It's not very well set up. But like, again, this movie's so fun and it plays on the cliches almost to the point of, of making fun of it, which is what I like about this movie. If we're going to start complimenting this movie that we love now, uh, because of the scene where Falco comes in and Martel says, nobody can win a game with these losers. And a cliched movie would say, they're not losers, and we are winning. And instead he goes, I can win with them. Like, he's basically saying, I can win with these losers. <laughs> like, yeah! <laughs> That's our kind of loser leader. <laughs> We're losers! Call yeah, us a loser, Keanu. Do it! It's just, it's the same thing with, like, you know, the moment where they just drop kick everybody in the field. They're like, they know they're gone tomorrow. But again, I think the movie just, it didn't, it didn't set up this plot the way I think it should have been. It should have been, as I said... One of them has a shot at winning this, which is why it matters that Falco scratched from the team or whatever. Um, and I just love Keanu Reeves. Like, this is a Keanu Reeves thing where he knows when when Gene Hackman says, oh, I'm going to start Martell or whatever. And he says, well, he is the best. Like, he's not even, like, fighting him. And when he goes to tell the team, like he said, he's like, I got good news for you. You're going to be playing with the best quarterback in the league tomorrow. And they're like, yeah, it's like Martell. <laughs> Like, and he's not making fun of him. He's just, he's a genuinely nice guy. It's like, yeah, you take it or whatever. Uh, I'm completely with you. You have to <laughs> basically announce your team at the start of the game. And the only players can be subbed in or out are ones that you have officially listed on your starting roster for that night. Maybe it's different in football. I don't know, but I doubt it. Uh, and I do love the moment, though, where, where he, he goes up, with, he's necking with that cheerleader. <laughs> But they say uh, players aren't allowed to fraternize with cheerleaders. Now, I understand that, like, maybe teams would have policy. I doubt that's a league policy. Like, these cheerleaders get paid 50 bucks a game for home games only. It's not like they're, they're frontline staff of the team. This isn't a conflict of interest with your work. Like, is that a thing? You can't date a cheerleader? I don't know. If anything, you want it. Like, I mean, wouldn't that, be, wouldn't that be kind of a cool thing if you found out that, like, your favorite player yeah. was banging a cheerleader? I mean, I'd be yeah, exactly. fine with that. Yeah, I mean, especially if it's Keanu Reeves, right? Well, as a cheerleader. You expect it. Yeah. <laughs> Depending on the cheerleader. If it's Amanda Peters, the cheerleader. No, no, no I'm <laughs> saying Keanu Reeves is a cheerleader. Oh, Keanu is a cheerleader. Yeah, one of the male cheerleaders on the team. He can wear a dress uh, as well. I don't care. <laughs> but, but also just uh, the modern sports movie cliche, which I really like, uh, just kind of ended here typically you'd always have the star moment. I mean, I'm not knocking the Mighty Ducks, but the Mighty Ducks 1, the lead character gets to be the hero in the end. What was great about the Mighty Ducks 2 and the Mighty Ducks 3 is it was, the hero's going to be a random character. It's not going to be your hero character. 
Goldberg in the third one. Yeah, it's like Goldberg. Yeah, that's that's a perfect example. And that's sort of what all the sports movies do now. And I think this is one of the first ones I can think of where Keanu's hero moment comes very early in the second half where he just stops him from kicking and runs the ball and gets tackled. But he doesn't have a moment where he's like, I'm going to throw the perfect pass or I'm going to throw to myself in the end zone. And I'm going to throw and I'm going to catch the ball myself. Uh, it ends up being everybody else gets a moment, you know, uh, the the preacher guy blows his knee out, but they specifically say, give the ball to him. Right. And then who who wants the ball? And the they John Favreau says, give it to Wilkinson, which, by the way, last bit of trivia on our little murderer here, uh, real life murderer playing the real life murderer. Uh if you notice in the movie, they call him Wilkinson and his jersey says Smith. This is another thing that happened in the real story where for the notoriety of we don't want people looking at this criminal. Or we don't want people to know that we've got a criminal, a, a convict who's in prison on the team. They gave him a generic name of Ray Smith in the real story. And they keep that in this movie because I was watching this really confused because when they say give the ball to Wilkinson, he's going to prison tomorrow. And I'm looking, I'm like, but the guy who just made that touchdown is named Smith. And then I look it up and I'm like, oh, it actually is supposed to be that they give him an alias because in the real story, they didn't want the actual name out there in public, which is cool. Uh, and then again, the, the, the deaf guy gets to catch in the end. Because really, if you're coming out of this, who are the ones who are going to get picked up by the NFL? It's going to be Falco. It's going to be Brian. You know, it's potentially going to be Resiphons, right? Just for skills. But those are the two guys who they have, like, they are real stars on the team. And they say from the beginning of the movie, these guys are good. It's just they caught, caught a bad break. Uh, and it is a nice moment, too, where you, you've got the the crowd, just the deaf guy and the camera sort of spinning around as the crowd's cheering. And he's, like, cheering them on, like, louder guys, even though he can't hear it. Uh, that cover of Heroes, like you said, it's garbage. Uh, <laughs> but it's a good song to end the movie on. It's a great I, I do really like the soundtrack of this movie, despite me knocking a lot of the knockoff songs they have here. Uh, but it's this movie is so much fun. Like, I feel bad criticizing it, but it's it's such a fun movie. And I love how it plays against the stereotypes. Even just the fact that it ends with I Will Survive in the End Zone. Like, it's just a fun, goofy movie. Deal with it, Colin and Ben. It's just for fun. <laughs> Get over yourselves. You like that guy or girl who didn't like Keanu Reeves at the beginning of the episode? Fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's time for us to leave. We're ending this now. Well, Colin might be leaving now and ending this now, but I guess I will talk about some of the things to end this movie a little bit more. Um, <laughs> it's a bit of an odd one. Like, we've kind of mentioned that this is a movie that really didn't get a lot of attention, and I guess it's only now it's getting some, some attention now due to the Keanu phase i guess i don't know it's a phase it's it's a long phase over, it's a long overdue um, it's not just a phase <laughs> sorry keanu i didn't mean there's another t-shirt it's not just a phase keanu um yeah <laughs> 41% this movie has on rotten tomatoes uh which that's a bit low i mean okay this movie is basic but it's still great uh, the cliched characters and obvious outcome make all the fun and excitement amount to nothing. Clearly, nobody's ever watched a sports movie before because isn't that every sports movie? Uh, it has 30 out of 100 on Metacritic. Roger Ebert gave the film two out of four stars, writing that the film was slap-happy entertainment painted in broad strokes, two coats thick. I really wish I could be smart and say nice things like Roger Ebert did. He, he always has, he always has the right I- things to say. 
Except for when he disagrees with us. Well, then he has true. the wrong things to say. Well, he's not, you know, uh, Peter I do Travis. love, though, that on IMDb, this has got a 6.6, which I can tell you, it definitely did not have a 6.6 five, ten years ago. So <laughs> the appreciation is growing among fans for this. Well, it's got, um, we never really talk about the popularity meter on IMDb. And at least at the time of recording this, it is 2,945th. I'm guessing that's out of movies, or is that County Reeves movies? I don't know. Uh, it is up 105 <laughs> spots since, I don't know, five minutes ago? Um, it doesn't really give me a context of what that is. Um, and when we don't... Since really, we started podcasting Since this. we did, Yes. Um, I, I I think we've read a couple of these in the past. I don't know if it's been on our movie ones or maybe it's some of our other episodes where we look at the user reviews. Um, I do kind of like scrolling through. And a lot of these user reviews are just like 8 out of 10, 10 out of 10, 10 out of 10, 9 out of 10, 7 out of 10. It's decent. And, yeah, I can live with that. That's by Daro, Daros LFC. Good for you, Daros LFC. Um... This is, oh, here's one you were mentioning before about Necessary Roughness. Uh, this one is, this movie ripped off Necessary Roughness. <laughs> Did you write this, Colin? Um, first off, this is a pretty good flick. Keanu Reeves gives a decent performance and the rest of the cast does well within the course of the movie. The movie plot itself is a complete rip-off of the 1991 movie Necessary Roughness starring Scott Bakula. From needing to start a team over in this movie due to a pro strike, in the other due to college violations to the old quarterback with the what-if syndrome, even the love story portion. This flick just updates and changes necessary roughness from a college football movie to a pro football movie. Written by College Kid 2008. Clearly someone loves college. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, I want to I read a bad review. They're always fun when they're, they're bad ones. Okay, let's go to one-star reviews. Hackman and Reeves must be cringing. Uh, <laughs> written by Count Zero Three One Three. The replacements. It's a kind of movie they should be showing in film school. We can all look at Chinatown. Don't look now. Witness bringing up baby. Tokyo Mongogatari. E.T., Tootsie, or Crimson Tide, and see why they work well. It would be more of a challenge to take a heap of dung like the replacements and say, right, fix that. They ticked off all the boxes. A reluctant hero steps up for one final chance at glory and redemption. Mentored by a grisly old coach, supported by a wacky but loyal group of peers, he battles adversity, wins the game, and gets a girl. It could be Major League with more heart, or Bill Durham with more laughs. Except, it doesn't work. It isn't funny. Who? What? What's wrong with you, oh. Count 0313? I felt for well, Gene. Well, according to this guy, his idea of humor is Crimson Tide. And so <laughs> I don't think he understands what genre this is supposed to be. E.T. was just rolling the aisles of laughter, wasn't it? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> E.T. home. <laughs> oh, that Elliot cracks me up. Uh, <laughs> I felt for Gene Hackman trying to wring a laugh out of mispronouncing weary... I just wanted to go up and pat him on the back, say, never mind, mate, buy him a beer. Clearly, this guy's Australian. Uh, And there is zero drama. It's a comedy! (laughs) When I watched Airplane, there just wasn't any drama. I just couldn't handle it. I just needed more conflict. (laughs) Dumb and Dumber lacked the serious acting skills I was expecting from the Farrelly brothers directing a movie in 
<laughs> the prison dance routine to I Will Survive probably takes the prize for worst scene of all. Okay, no, I'm stopping reading this. Count oh, zero, three on three. You are a dickhead. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You're going to turn that into a T-shirt. Count whatever, zero, zero, you are a dickhead. There's our T-shirt. <laughs> Other one-star headings involve one of the most unrealistic football films of all time, bar none, the worst movie of all time history. Really? Gridiron Scabs, The Sound of One Hand Clapping. That's a book by a Tasmanian author. Terrible author. Absolutely awful. What are these big stars doing in this trash heap? Bad beyond belief. An artistically and morally repugnant film. An unoriginal, unsurprising, complete tripe. Uh, that actually, sorry, I'm reading reviews of the Oz Network here. Sorry about that. Oh, uh, that's. When I, I knew it sounded familiar. I, I want to just go into. Barnan, the worst movie of all time, <laughs> by Special K. Did they see Zardoz? <laughs> Special K two two seven eight four. That's my pun. Uh, my pin code. Dear sweet lord, I didn't think a movie could be so devoid of anything redeeming. Between the horrible acting performance turned in by Keanu Whoa Reeves and the blandest, most predictable plotline ever. The replacements does not entertain for a single solitary second. It is unbelievable that with such a rehash recycled plot that the writer-director could still manage manages to leave so many flaws in the film. Well, if you're going to write a movie about bad movie, a review about a bad movie, learn how to write and I can learn how to read. <laughs> Rule number one, if you are going to write a film about football, at least know some rules. At one point in this abomination of a film, the Washington Sentinels need to retrieve an onside kick to stay alive. Of course, they in fact do this and they advance the ball for... Wow, this is really getting technical. Um, They reference it to Little Giants. Cool. Um, Yep, the worst movie ever. If you like football, don't see it. If you like Keanu Reeves, don't see it. If you like sports drama, don't see it. If you like comedies, don't see it. If you like movies in general, don't see it. If you like performing mystery (laughs) science theatre over a pile of crap film, by all means, see it. Uh (laughs) Wow. Um, Can we message these people on IMDb and just, like, reply to them and just say, you are a dickhead? Yeah. Is that a thing? Courtesy of the Oz Network. Courtesy of the Oz Network. Like, I feel like we can just start a spin-off podcast, call it You Are a Dickhead Weekly, and just read out these reviews, maybe. There's a new segment, Colin. I like this. Um, Box office. (laughs) We always find ways to extend our episodes. Um, As we mentioned, this movie was ridiculously expensive to make because of the Rolling Stones songs, clearly. $50 million. I sound like I'm Chris Tucker in Russia. $50 million. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Who are you kidnapping, Kelsey Grammer? Um, <laughs> it only made domestically $44,737,059. Uh, and internationally, it only made 5317452 So it wasn't very big overseas. Clearly, non-Americans don't like American football. So overall, $50,054,511. So it basically made a profit of (laughs) $54,511. So do you think uh, Mr. Deutsch is regretting getting the Rolling Stones on board? Uh, Yeah, for the return on investment, I don't think it really paid off. But I mean, we know that that's what everybody's talking about now 20 years later is, oh, did you hear those three Rolling Stone songs in this movie? <laughs> wow. Do you know what would have made this even better? If we had The Offspring or Blink-182 or Aerosmith in there. 
Which, I mean, let's be honest, our bad reviews didn't mention anything about the Rolling Stones. So clearly they liked them. So, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, an opening, it made $11 million on its opening weekend, which, if I can actually get this out correctly... There we go. I don't know why I'm speaking so weirdly. Uh, August 11th, it opened in 2000. It was did not go to number one. Number three, uh, behind Hollow Man, which was in its second week. Kevin Bacon movie. Yes, I will appreciate that. Space Cowboys movie you've mentioned a few times in this yes. episode was uh, in its second week at number two. Uh, the replacements, Autumn in New York, coming soon to the Oz <laughs> Network. <laughs> Doesn't that have uh, uh, Mandy Richard Moore Gere. in it? Is it? No? No, that's uh, Richard Gere and Winona Ryder. Oh, there's a match that I... What? What, is he Is, is he her dad? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> am I being ages there? Isn't Richard Gere like 50 years older than Winona Ryder? I think he's 50 years older than everybody. Right. <laughs> he's just one of those people that I always assume he's been old. Um, number five, Nutty Professor 2, The Clumps, uh, followed by What Lies Beneath, Blessed Child, Coyote, Ugly, Ugh, uh, X-Men, oh, and The Perfect Storm, a movie that I haven't seen in a long time. Chicken Run was number 14. Oh, I love that movie. And Pokemon the Movie 2000. I remember that movie too. There you go. But I'm a Cheerleader came in at number 24. Can we do that movie? That sounds fun. <laughs> I don't know what it's about, but it's got the word cheerleader in it. A naive cheerleader, uh, sorry, a naive teenager is sent to rehab camp when her straight, oh, straight lace parents, I can read, and friends <laughs> suspect her of being a lesbian. <laughs> this is about lesbian cheerleaders, Colin. Why are we doing this movie? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just baffled by I'm just baffled by the fact that you've struggled so much to read in this episode when just before we started recording, you were telling me how you were writing a book. <laughs> Lesbian cheerleaders! Uh, <laughs> Eddie Cibrian's in it! Come on! From Third Watch, RuPaul's in this movie! Why? What? This is like oh. the greatest movie ever! <laughs> Let's add that with Coyote Ugly and we'll, oh. we'll make it a month. I said a good movie. Um, Natasha <laughs> Leon is the star of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing. I've never heard of her. She's up there in the Brooke Langton School of Actresses. Uh, <laughs> uh, this, seriously, like, this is just Kip Pardue's in this movie. Like, oh, <laughs> now we got to do it. This, oh, Kip Pardue's a selling point. <laughs> Hey, we're the first podcast ever to get excited over Kit Pardue being in something. That means we can finally cover Driven as well. Oh, yes. You know, it's actually funny. Mallory's been watching House and there's a guy in it. And I'm the whole time going, who is that guy? I know who's that guy. Who is that guy? He's the dick agent from Driven. He's like a main character in House. And I'm like, oh, he's the dick agent in Driven. I think I'm the only person ever to acknowledge somebody from <laughs> Driven, uh, except for Estella Warren, who constantly looks at herself and goes, what will happen to me? I was famous. The, the only reason is because there's no lesbian teenager <laughs> cheerleaders. <laughs> Trust me, I have watched a lot of lesbian teenage cheerleader, cheerleader films in my life. None probably that we could recap on this show. So I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Most of them not child friendly. <laughs> Colin, see, there are these movies called porn films. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> ask Jamie about it. She might have seen one or two at a time. <laughs> <laughs> Plot keywords. Um, now, I, I, <laughs> I read a couple of these before the episode. Uh, I'm really looking forward to woman wears a short dress month or leggy chick month. Um, but also we could have throwing an egg month, which could be good. <laughs> Shut up with kiss month, which you never know. Uh, vomiting month could always be a thing. British in America month. Or I, I have to say wishing someone good luck month. I think that's a winner. <laughs> Featuring 1917, Spider-Man 3, Jerry Maguire, and Rain Tree Country. So, uh, I mean, look, I've always wanted to do Rain Tree Country on this show, so there's an excuse. I'm just amazed that there are people out there who've compiled all the movies where you wish someone good luck. (laughs) They're very (laughs) Wish someone luck podcast is a a big thing. Um, (laughs) Throwing an egg month, that would feature uh, such movies as Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, The Replacements, Room for Rent, and A Very Harold and Kumar Christmas. Uh, so definitely not the worst month. I don't know if you have got that up or you've seen any that you uh, stand out to you there at all. I closed my browser ages ago. Yeah, you gave up. <laughs> you you were done. Um, uh, before we get to our ratings, because I think we both know, Han, I'm just I'm just still on brettcullen.com. Haven't updated it since yes. the 13th of January 2019, where you can check him out in True Detective Season 3. Um, which I'm a bit sad about. And then uh, an updated headline from 29th of May, 2014. Brett Cullen addresses Under the Dome daddy issues. Uh, <laughs> he was in Under the Dome? Oh, everyone was in Under the Dome. Did you not watch that crap for like oh. two seasons? I, I gave up when they were still Under the Dome after like eight seasons. I'm like, get over it. Get out. <laughs> How are you still Under this Dome? <laughs> I just, I feel bad for him now. <laughs> that he was Under the Dome? <laughs> Yeah, I feel bad for anybody under the dome. <laughs> you know, that that show was just like one of those ones that started off pretty good. You're like, okay, this has got a good idea behind it. And then before long, you just go, why am I still watching this? It's like Manifest. I don't know why I still watch Manifest. I really don't. I ask myself the question every week I watch Manifest. Is that why? still a thing? It is. They're bringing it back for a third season. Like, I just, I'm a sucker for wanting to know why they disappeared. Like, screw you, Manifest <laughs> writers, for making a decent storyline with shit acting. And you, you talk about bad actors. Well, I, I, we're talking about Keanu Reeves. Sorry, Keanu, you're a national treasure, but let's be honest, we've already gone over that. But, like, God damn it! no wonder Manifest never gets nominated for any awards. <laughs> you know, with shows like that, you basically just have to wait until the show gets cancelled before you tune back in because you know they're not going to tell you anything to the last episode. Yeah, no, I think I think I need and to then, discover that myself. In the case of Lost, they'll never tell you. Yeah, there's, we're still waiting for Lost to tell us. Uh, <laughs> one day, one day they'll tell us. Uh, we're both buying this movie, I'm assuming. Yes, and absolutely. We're buying we, it. Are we ranking this number one in this month? Yeah, this is a really tough one because I... I I didn't expect it, but in a way, I almost still want to rank Airplane number one. Mm. You know, again, I love this movie. I would put this very close to my top 50. If we did a top 100 movies of all time, this is on my list. But Airplane was just so good. And yeah, and I'm not knocking this movie. I'm saying there's 
the serious issue with this movie. But I think if I'm going to separate nostalgia, you know, obviously I have serious nostalgia for this and Kindergarten Cop. But I mean, if I'm being completely objective, I think I would probably put Airplane number one. And and that's coming from somebody who tried to watch Airplane six months ago and was like, good movie. Don't know if it's for me. And now I'm like, yeah, I'm all about Airplane. I'm actually disappointed because I talked to my dad in the last week and I mentioned, oh, we just did a recap on Airplane. I remember you watching that. And he's like, oh, I hate that movie. And I'm like, I thought you liked that movie. <laughs> he's like, no, it's so stupid. And I'm like, but you used to always laugh at it. And he's like, oh, it's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and I told him we were doing this. And of course, he started singing I Will Survive. Um, yeah, I Will Survive. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm obviously buying this movie, um, but yeah, I, I, I probably would still put this at number one. Like, I, I definitely am with you there on airplane because that was very, very enjoyable. But um, if I had to sit down and go, okay, am I watching the replacements or airplane? I probably would still choose airplane. Uh, <laughs> what am I saying? The replacements. I, I agree with that. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to personally pick this, but I mean, just for everything airplane was. I, I would put Airplane above this. And, and who knows, maybe 20 years from now, Airplane you know would be my go-to choice. But yeah, I'm, I'm going to go Airplane 1, then The Replacements, then a Kindergarten Cop, then Ghost. And again, let's just say, this is the first time I think we've ever done an anniversary month where there's not something I hate on here. Yeah, this is maybe our first ever anniversary month without a bin. So go yeah. us. Thank, thank you, Patrick Swayze. Actually, no. You, it wasn't <laughs> you, Patrick Swayze. Thank you, Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> <laughs> Not Demi Moore or Patrick Swayze. Um, well, there we go. Anniversary month concluded for another year. What month will it return in in 2021? We don't know. <laughs> it all depends on... month every year. It, it generally... That all basically comes down to film release scheduling. Like, obviously, we, we <laughs> fit a bunch of our months around movie releases and, you know, we generally play whatever we've got a gap month is, is anniversary month or bad movie month are kind of our two go-tos. But, I mean, I feel next year we're going to be extremely busy with the amount of movies that are being delayed to 2021. So we'll soon find out. Which actually leads us into our next month because next month was meant to be DC month because Wonder Woman was meant to be coming out and we're actually meant to have a few weeks off before we got into that. Of course, uh, covering the four DCEU movies that we haven't covered previously. We covered the first four and we'll cover the next four. But that's not happening. I think it's, what, October now, didn't you say it's coming out or something like that? Mm-hmm. So, uh, actually, just quickly, can I just point out before I get into our next month, congratulations to Jurassic Park for being this week's number one movie. I don't know if you saw that headline, but with movie no. theatres gradually reopening, a lot of them are just kind of going back into it by showing classic movies. Uh, Variety reported that Jurassic Park has gone to number one for the first time since, like, I think <laughs> it's re-release in 2013. So, congratulations, Jurassic Park, another uh- number one. <laughs> Uh, this You're is kind of scary, though. <laughs> no, I'm just I'm scared at the prospect of what is going to be the number one movie next weekend. Is it going to be I'm a lesbian cheerleader? Because oh, I'm there. Uh, what was the gross? If 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 there are like three theaters across the country that are opening and they just all decide to show I'm a lesbian cheerleader next weekend, is that going to be Colin, our number one? I don't know why you're film? saying this is a bad thing. It knocked off Trolls World Tour, which had spent like 15 weeks at number one because it was the only new movie. So <laughs> it's a good thing. Hey, um, I've got I've got a kid who we have not yet told there is a new Trolls movie because we can't own it. Um, <laughs> so by the time this thing is ownable, uh, it is going to be the best-selling 
digital release of all time just based on the amount of times we're going to have to rent it for him. Mind you, if we could get, but I'm a lesbian cheerleader in the theatres, uh, I will be there. I will risk getting COVID <laughs> to see it on a big screen. Um, but what are we doing next month, Colin? Rene Russo. Woo-hoo! We are doing Rene Russo. We are doing Rene month. Russo. Oh, month. <laughs> wow. <laughs> this month took a turn. Uh, do I need to ask Mallory's permission first? Um, I'm I'm very excited uh, because let's brief history. Uh, why are we doing this month? If people haven't listened to us, I know Lad Undercover's a bit behind, so he'll catch up eventually. But for some reason, in an episode last year, I can't remember what episode it was. We legitimately decided at some point to, well, I did. I was like, oh, let's just mention a random middle-of-the-road actress. And and the first one that came to my head was Renee Russo. And this turned into a thing. We apparently were like, wow, Renee Russo, how great is she? So she became the the next biggest thing that we've ever talked about. And we thought, screw it, let's do (laughs) Renee Russo month. And here we are. This is coming from a podcast that when we started in 2017, we were like, we're going to do Tobey Maguire month. We're going to do Brendan Fraser month. We still haven't done those months. But we are doing Renee Russo month instead. Um, what are what are the four films we're doing, Colin? Do you, do you remember these? And what are we going to start with? Now, I remember Outbreak was supposed to be on it, but End of the World month bumped that. Yep. And then the movie that I love so much, I was afraid if we covered it, I would go for multiple days get shorty is now one of them uh so that's the one i'm excited about one i will not be hosting because i don't want this to go for the rest of the year um i know that we had we didn't know i see free jack is one of them right right we get to do an emilio estevev movie and we get to do a mick jagger movie we've talked about (laughs) them both in this episode so it's 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 pretty relevant Mick Jagger and Rene Russo in a sci-fi classic, Free Jack. <laughs> I've never, I, I'll be um, honest, I don't think I'd even heard of this until we uh, talked about this. So I am, uh, I'm looking forward to a movie that I've legitimately never heard of before. And Showtime, a movie that I'm still trying to remember if I saw before. Like, I remember wanting to see this movie. I'm pretty sure I did watch it, but it might just be one of these things that completely is wiped from my memory. So when we get to showtime we're gonna find out if i remember this movie or not if i if i had seen this or not because it's up in the air um i yeah i don't think i have but i know it is part two of the eddie murphy's career took a pretty bad turn in the early 2000s trilogy uh we've already covered one the adventures of pluto national movie that i actually quite enjoy we're covering another one later this year if no time did i get released in uh i spy another movie i really enjoy so i am looking forward to seeing if i enjoy showtime because i love eddie murphy uh i love robert de niro and i love renee russo so what could go wrong uh that's what critics thought um so but I, I feel like i will like this movie because again if this is just in that same vein of oh eddie murphy's career sucked in the early 2000s because he did these three bad movies i like two of the three that i know people say suck so i feel like i'm gonna like showtime but the the fourth one i mean we've chosen some good films this not is just the big for, one well not just for renee russo but for our other people in the movies Thomas Crown Affair with Pierce frickin' Brosnan. Now, have we done a Pierce Brosnan movie on the Oz Network? I don't think we have. I don't think we ever have, no. No. It's all all our love for Brosnan is over, of course, on on 007, download now. So this is a first for us that we get to do Brosnan. Well, bugger doing Rene Russo. I'm doing, you can do Rene, I'm doing Pierce. 
Uh, <laughs> I'm going to peace, peace. The greatest couple, maybe the greatest couple in the history of film. Oh, see, I don't know, because, like, Pierce Brosnan, Linda Hamilton, Dante's Peak, you know. Um, yeah, uh, no, 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 Rene Russo. Who would win in a fight, Linda Hamilton or Rene Russo? <laughs> well, the funny enough, this all came about because it was on the Terminator 2 episode, and you were trying to come up with another <laughs> random actress to compare to Linda Hamilton, and you came up with Rene Russo. <laughs> it all comes full circle. There we go. <laughs> You're right. That is that is very true. <laughs> you think I plan these things, but I don't, I don't know what I say in these episodes half the time. So what do you want to start with next week, Colin? I'll let you choose. Oh, this is tough. Okay, so we got Get Shorty, Thomas Crown, uh, Showtime, and Free Jack. Well, you're hosting it, so I, you've more- got to, you basically have to choose one you want to host. Okay, uh, I, I say we start with Thomas Crown. Like, like we were supposed to be watching James Bond right now. Let's just get as close as we can to James Bond early enough in the year before it gets delayed to 2022 or 2023. Let's do Thomas Crown Affair first. Okay, I've never seen it. Uh, the one thing I remember about the promotion of this movie, because it's a remake, right? There was an older version of this, uh, I believe. Um, yeah. Because this, this, did this come out around Eyes Wide Shut? I feel... It did. It was the same summer, yeah. And, I, and a couple months ahead of World is Not Enough. Well, because I remember like Eyes Wide Shut getting a lot of controversy because of the graphic sex scenes in it. Um, and I remember somebody, or I don't know if it's a true or not, but somebody or a review was like, this is on par, if not even more graphic than Eyes Wide Shut in terms of sex. And I was like, oh. What? I, like, that's, I remember, I don't know where that came from, but I remember hearing that. In was this ninety eight ninety nine? Like I remember vividly hearing a review comparing it to Eyes Wide Shut in terms of sexual content. Uh, I don't know if there's an orgy scene in this movie. I don't know if Tom Cruise and Nicole no. Kidman are somewhere in this movie. Uh, so maybe that reviewer was just drunk or very horny that summer. I don't know. So um, I, for one, will be keeping an eye out for the graphic sex in this movie. Funny enough, he said the same. Same thing about the replacements the following year, which is just weird. This guy's got one thing on his mind. Um, I don't remember any graphic sex. I have seen this movie a handful of times. Um, I I will say this is a movie that had to win me over because I think when it came out, I was a big Bond fan, but this was not really what I was expecting. So I don't remember loving this movie. Uh, And in the years since then, I've caught it a couple times. And every time I watch it, I just remember – the most recent time telling even Jamie, I'm like, you know, every time I watch this movie, I like it more and more. And I've probably seen it maybe three, four times in my life, but it's just one of these things that, you know, maybe just, I get older. I understand more. I I, I don't, (laughs) I understand sex now. That's what it is. (laughs) Do you, do you, Colin? (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, like this, this, this movie just gets better. I'm really excited to, because it's the first time I've probably seen this since, I don't know, six, seven years ago was probably the last time I, I saw Thomas Crown Affair, but it's Pierce Brosnan, it's Rene Russo, it's stealing a painting. Uh, I, I remember that the the hat, the hat's a very important part of this movie. It's very exciting. Uh, is, is there somebody called Thomas Crown in it, and do they have an affair? <laughs> you really know nothing about this movie, do I you? I told you, the review was like, there's sex in it. It's Pierce Brosnan and Rene Russo. What do I need to know? Like, it sells itself, really. <laughs> but, like, I, I, I know... Who's Thomas Crown? Who's the affair? You know, 
Ben is going to watch Free Jack next week and then come back and be like, I thought Pierce Brosnan was in this movie. <laughs> I'm going to watch that and go, I thought Kiefer Sutherland was going to get freed in that movie. I thought they were freeing Jack Bauer. There was no Jack in it. He wasn't freed. I'm going to watch Get Shorty. Oh. I'm going to be like, where was Peter Dinklage? I'm going to get upset. Uh, I'm, I'm very literal with my movies. Can I just say, I'm, the only thing that's disappointing about Rene Russo month is that we could literally do two straight months and be very happy. I mean, <laughs> there are so many movies that we could be covering that this might have to become an annual thing. Has, has anyone ever, like, uh, this is our, our research project in the coming weeks. We need to find out, has anyone ever done a Rene Russo month in the history of podcasting? Like, anyone, ever. Like, do you think this is the thing? And, and, do you think we could get Rene Russo on the show? I'm going to say no. I'm going to say Brett Cullen, a yeah. little bit more realistic. No no disrespect to Brett <laughs> Cullen, but you're not Rene Russo. So there are levels of standards that we have to adhere to before we can get Rene Russo. And at least doing one month based on her movies could be it. So, I yeah, we'll, I guess we'll put it on the If nothing else, we'll resume. have a Rene Russo... 2020 t-shirt oh, uh, that we could offer can we can we get like one of those presidential ones made up like with you know yeah. renee russo we could have like renee hamilton 2020 or something like that or <laughs> you know like renee brosnan 2020 or renee <laughs> renee russo estevez 2020 there you go we would be the only one in the for world. Every movie. Yes, every movie. <laughs> russo jagger 2020 <laughs> <laughs> R- Russo, that person in that movie, Russo Portman, twenty twenty. There you go. They were in a movie together. Two, weren't they? They were in two Thors, three, sort of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh God, Russo Hoffman, Russo Monkey. <laughs> 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 oh, we got a whole line. Take this will be pick. done by the end of the month. I swear, we will have these by the end of the month. Oh, we need to get those Keanu t-shirts. Be like Keanu t-shirts up and running <laughs> as well. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. This has been a lot of fun. As always, anniversary month. We look forward to next year doing Rat Race, um, Evolution, I think. I need to confirm this right now. I'm pretty sure Evolution came out in 2001. It did. We're doing Evolution next year. Shut up. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Evolution and Rat Race are already decided for 2021. And I guess we have to choose some old f- movies in there too. Oh, well. Uh, but you'll hear all the general tags at the end of this episode. And we will be back next week with Thomas Crown and learning about his affair and the painting and the hat and all these other things. Uh, my name is Ben. And just reading from oznetworkreviews.com, if you like podcasts, don't listen to it. If you like Ben Waterworth, don't listen to it. If you like Colin Hilding, don't listen to it. If you like being racist, listen to it. And my name is Colin, and I got you the ball. I got you the ball! 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 Go sit down now. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at the Oz network.net. 
Thanks again for listening and we'll speak to you next time.